Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Greetings and welcome to the Power Station. This is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and I shot her with a shotgun, I also used a chainsaw, and I punched her in the face. You can't say that on TV, mate. I'm Ash Versus. This episode originally aired on YouTube, and that's why I can say it, on the 5th of December 2021, then broadcast on E4 on the 8th of December 2021, which is why we can't say it, and this is the final episode of the Games Master reboot, possibly our final episode of Games Master ever. I don't want it to be. Yeah, same here. The recording and editing schedule for getting these episodes done has been an absolute anus, but I've also really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not ready for it to be over. I really am not like, yeah, it's almost skipping ahead to the end. Not ready for it to be done. And I really enjoyed this final episode. I've actually really enjoyed all three episodes. And to echo what you were just saying then, the the, the new listeners that we have uh, found along the way, the people who've picked up this show, and it's it's lovely. And, you know, we, our community has grown because of uh, Series 8. And that's just been tremendous to see on our Discord. I know, I mean, I'm not a frequent poster on the Discord, but I'm an often lurker. And while I may not join in every conversation, I do read through it all. I think much like the new Games Master, our Discord has the right balance between being warm and welcoming there's a healthy dose of ribbing there's an equal amount of shit posting we have a dedicated channel for it now it's fun hello 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 and welcome to games master a show where people who really should know better compete for a golden joystick let's kick off with episode three of series eight and I really liked this opening that we got, where it was like <laughs> Rab describing the challenges as people who should know better are here to compete for a game. Well, having said that, though, 
we did get one challenge in this episode that wasn't for a Games Master Golden Joystick. I kind of dug that, but when he said people who should know better, I felt very seen just for <laughs> like, you know, this whole podcast venture, Luke, we should know better. We should know better at this point. This, this podcast venture has made your and my lives more difficult than they were previously. We should know better. But also richer. Yes, mentally richer. Yes, yes, not not a wheelbarrow full of gold, Richard. <laughs> no, 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 but... no, <laughs> we are not Rab Florence in this scenario. If anything, we're the Frankie and Ty of this this combination. Yes, we are worthless tat, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And Gamesmaster wants to challenge dangerously stupid people because he fancies bone broth tonight. Man, there's a lot of questions coming up about Games Master's physiology. It's like, is he a Time Lord? Does he regenerate? Are we implying that this is the same Games Master that was Patrick Moore? Does he have a bum? Does he not have a bum? If he doesn't have a bum, where does the excrement go? Because he's definitely got an appetite. I think there's a thesis in this, and I'm not just saying that because I went to a graduation ceremony today, but I'm sure someone could do a PhD on the physiology of Games Master. Well, let's get into our first challenge. What are we playing, Games Master? Yes, it's FIFA 22, the biggest football franchise of all time. In this epic FIFA challenge, the challenger is a professional FIFA player. So I'll not be going easy on him. Playing as Manchester City against AC Milan, controlled by the hardest AI difficulty, they will have to make an epic comeback as they'll be kicking off at halftime, 3-0 down and with one player having been sent off. No easy task. You and I saw this challenge being filmed. We've actually been building to this. We mentioned it like in our day out episode of like a really, really tough challenge. We've been kind of building to it in episode one and two of it. We know there's a challenge in episode three that's really, really tough and finally it's here it's our opening challenge in episode three christmas day is this a tough one it's fifa 22 you're playing it on legendary mode you are three nil down and a man down when we were there at the taping they booted up fifa and i turned to you and i went oh well i don't think i'm going to be into this challenge as much as i was the tekken challenge or catch up and mustard playing mortal kombat but you know maybe we'll we'll get into it and then they announced the stipulation and i turned to you and i was like oh now i'm interested and it was really really good off the back of that now here's where my memory failed because i thought coming away from that night that the stipulation was one man down due to being sent off three goals down and in extra time already but it's not it's the second half but of course it being played at standard fifa speed rather than real time so realistically it's only about five minutes oh yeah it's not enough time it's not a lot of time to score three goals four goals in fact but i do like a bit of the back and forth that we get here including rab just saying that football is yet another reason for people in scotland to hate each other Frankie uh, told us about some of the comments that she made about FIFA, and not a lot of those made it. But uh, there is the argument of, is it a simulation? Is it a game? I mean, whichever one it is, and whatever our personal feelings may be on it, Luke, it is a behemoth of a franchise. And I'm not against FIFA. I'm not against FIFA as a title. I'm not against FIFA as a game. I'm not against people that love FIFA. I'm certainly not against people that play it at a level good enough to compete in esports leagues, I am against the business model. Much as I am against any loot crate type business model, much as I am against any game that just ships out an annual iteration, sometimes really all it is is a roster update or a team update and maybe like, you know, some extra grass physics or something like that. FIFA's guilty of it. NHL is guilty of it. Madden is guilty of it. 2K, 
the one thing that really upsets me with a lot of these games is when they release Switch versions or versions for the last gen that are advertised as being, say, FIFA 22, and it's not. It's actually FIFA 21. Or in the case of the Switch version, I believe it's essentially the same engine as FIFA 19 or FIFA 20. And they've just gone, cool, we'll just give it a different hat and a yeah. different hat and a different hat. Yeah, I, it's the business model of EA that really winds me up about FIFA games. And it, the annual releasing, which, you know, they have now been doing for nearly 30 years, is, is it's problematic for me. And I think it is predatory and I really, really don't like it. I do enjoy watching people play FIFA, though. Like my friends, Tom and Adam, massively into playing FIFA. Like when we go, when we get together to play games, they do like to play FIFA. It's not, it's not my cup of tea. I will play against it, and I, do, I cannot get into it, and I cannot get on board with new FIFA because it is that, like you know, as they were saying, is it a simulation? Is it a game? This, that, the other. So I can't quite wrap my head around it, and I'm just, I'm very, very bad at it, and I don't have the time to invest into getting good at it either. But I do enjoy sitting back and just kind of watching them play and the the banter that they have back and forth. I mentioned my stag do last week with regards to speedrunners. A lot of the people there also really liked FIFA. And we had, you know, four-player FIFA on the go, and people really, really got into that. So I can appreciate it from an aesthetic level. And actually, our player here sounds like he's got a really cool thing going for him. Hi, Games Master. Identify yourself. I'm Shells, and I'm a FIFA player for Manchester City. As a professional, you must fancy your chances of beating my FIFA 22 challenge. If I can win the E-Premier League, surely I can win the Golden Joystick, right? Don't be so sure. My challenges are a league above the Premiership like the Bundesliga. You know, I put a lot of hours into the game. I must be good for a reason, but let's hopefully I can show it here. And if you had to sum that up in two words? Completely terrified. Fiendish, isn't it? Good luck. Thanks, Games Master. You should know that that pro would be down below for show. You know, he plays he plays FIFA essentially for Man City. He's won the E-Premier League. He's competed against actual footballers, and that sounds really, really rad. I love that we are at a point in history where real football teams have their own dedicated esports teams or competitors. It's, I mean, let's be honest, it's a very cool way to expand their brand because they can be looked to be seen to be embracing the game. They will sell more copies of the game. They'll probably sell more shirts. It will help bring their profile up. It's, it's all business, but it's at least a, something that I can kind of see as being a smart and non-predatory business move, certainly not compared to the core FIFA business model. Yeah, the football team are looking at, you know, the esports market, which has got a huge audience there, a huge audience that isn't buying season tickets to watch the actual football, but they have now found a way to appeal to those and give them something that they do like. I think that's great. I don't think that's predatory at all. I think that is a smart business move, if anything. So yeah, I, I think that's really, really cool. I've not really seen much of it and I've not really looked into much of it. But it sounds like the sort of thing that I might give a look see to. Because I don't really I don't watch football apart from international competitions. But maybe an esports thing I could get into. I and mean, keeping in mind, I don't know how esports football really works. One thing I would love to be able to do is to watch esports like football from within the game, or even some kind of like viewer version of FIFA. But where rather than just say watch the game camera angles, you could actually choose where in the stadium you're sitting. Maybe get some augmented reality stuff in there. Maybe with the um, the quest, you know, the the Meta Quest or whatever it is that's sponsoring Games Master, where you could actually get 
that feeling of watching a real football match, but at FIFA speeds. Shells is our player. He is a FIFA player for Man City. He won the E Premier League. Uh, but Gamesmaster tells him that his challenges are above the Premier League, the Bundesliga. I love that. That was a good <laughs> joke. That was a timely joke. And I, I very much enjoyed Gamesmaster's final line of that pro will be down below for show. My favorite bit of this entire little setup is I think we've mentioned it before, which is the kind of space ghost, coast to coast idea, which is where. Your people are interviewed with one set of questions or one set of prompts, and then they fix it or break it in the edit. Like Shells is bigging up his skills, just going, you know, a man that's done as much as I have, that's won this, that's done that, you know, I should be able to take on your challenge. And Games Master's like, oh, I see. And in two words, completely terrified. Good. Good. (laughs) It's fun. Well, speaking of fun and having fun, uh, in order to become a pro FIFA player, apparently, while your friends go out partying, you stay at home and play FIFA. That is how you get good. It's the same for any form of esport, any form of competition, whether you're talking about your FIFAs, your Mortal Kombats, your Street Fighters, your Tekkens, your Smash Brothers, anything where there is tournament or competitive level play with a cash prize, or even just pride at a certain level, you get good by practicing. Put the work in. Very few people can just achieve that sort of success naturally. Christian? (laughs) Um, He's played and beaten Phil Foden and Sergio Aguero. Like, I remember on the day, Shells being a very, very charismatic guy. And like, he even comes in and he knew that his challenge was a little bit later in the taping. I think it was the second to last taping, the challenge that we saw. So we were getting a bit tired. We'd been there for a few hours. He comes in and he's just like, the crowd are great. And we were like, oh, we are, aren't we? Hey, I am behind you. Cheap pop. Exactly. You got the cheap bomb and it really, really works. And I particularly loved his line. I mean, I, I very much enjoyed him saying that when he played against Phil Foden, he had to lean in. That's how big the game was. And that's how like much pressure was put on him. But it's his line of, as a FIFA player, you need to have an excuse when you lose. And I've got some saved up. Never mind FIFA, that's just football. The one I liked was I loved the line about leaning forward because I think I said on Under Console Nation and I said to you, I've been playing Forza quite a bit. And some of the races, I'm just leaning back and I'm racing and drift around, occasionally crash into a corner and have to use the time rewind function because I'm not that good at Forza. But there are a couple of challenges and that is the moment where I kind of adjust my posture and I sit up and I lean forward because I'm like, okay, okay, I see how this is going to go. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, so I got what he was meaning with that one. Sometimes you just hit those levels or you hit those challenges and that's what you need. You need to lean into it a bit. You also have to do that for Castlevania Symphony of the Night. But anyway, we also get a little bit of foreshadowing uh, in this here because Ty mentions that he wishes he was up there playing. So we'll come back to that later on in the episode. And we also get here something that we've had from Frankie on this show and we'll speak to Rab a little bit later on. His 7-0 loss to Ty in the preparation for Games Master. Yeah, I, I like how how this is brought up. And originally, I think clearly when Kian brought it up with us, he wasn't sure it would be referenced in the edit. And when Frankie brought it up, clearly wasn't sure it'd be referenced in the edit. And to be honest, when we spoke to Rab, didn't know if he'd be brought up in the edit, but I like that they left it in. And one of the things I really like that happens a couple of times in this episode, both with this challenge and the non-golden joystick challenge later, is Rab getting some 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 Celtic jokes in there. Yeah, he does indeed, yeah. Let's do it the Celtic way. Let's get sweaty. <laughs> yeah. So 
I mean, Shell's here. Bless him. It is. This is a tough old challenge. This. This is really, really hard. I know we've had the the you know the the phrase out there, the hardest challenge of the series. Rab saying that the Deathloop challenge was the hardest one they had set. I think Christian's Cuphead challenge was really, really tough as well. This here seems almost impossible. A little bit like the Call of Duty challenge we had in episode one, where, you know, Call of Duty players have said, that's borderline impossible to do. This here being 3-0 down, a man down on legendary status, feels like it is an impossible task. Because he can't break through. He cannot break through AC Milan's defense. He's not really going for the long ball, which is what Rab is sort of suggesting. He's trying to play it through, but he cannot break through that defense. He does score once, but it is just, it is an uphill struggle the entire time. And that one goal is all he gets. It was a tough challenge to watch because we were behind him all the way. As I said, as soon as they mentioned the gambit, the crowd were into it more so than if it had just been a standard person versus person FIFA match for certain, unless it'd been like, I don't know, some actual Premier League players involved. That might have got, you know, a little bit of extra oomph to it. And who knows, hey, maybe Series 8B or 9 of Games Master, if we're lucky enough to get it, maybe we'll get a little bit of that. But he clearly has his tactics. I mean, he has tactics that work. That's why he won the E-Premier League. However, much like the bots in the Call of Duty challenge, this computer is superhuman. And when he does get that one goal, it it's not luck because he's a skilled player, but it's also luck. And at that point, it's kind of a dignity goal because it is too late in the day. And we know that he, the best he could do is draw even. He was yeah. never going to win it at that point. And when it hits 90 minutes and we're into extra time, it's like, it's never going to happen. Like, I mean, you know, Rab jumped out of his seat when he scored. We all were like on our feet when he, I mean, I had to be on our feet. We were standing the whole time, but we were like proper jumping out. You can see me cheering him and being like, oh, throughout the entire challenge. But when we get to that, that 90 minutes and he needs to score three goals, it was never going to happen. Not a cat in hell's chance was it ever going to happen. We get the final whistle. And it's all over. And you can hear how gutted Rab is. Because I think Rab really wanted to see this guy succeed. I think Rab was really, really pulling for him here. And he just gets up and he's like, ah, sad. It's just sad. And Rab throws over to Ty, who has a friend in the audience who he's going to chat with. And what this guy says rings absolutely true, which is no one plays against the computer at this difficulty. And if you do say you're playing against the computer on this difficulty, you're probably lying essentially. Yeah. Like you might do it just to kind of like test your reflexes, but you don't play against a computer on this difficulty to win. You do it to test your stamina. And I don't think it was an impossible challenge, but I do think it was an improbable challenge. And I'd say even though this guy is a pro FIFA player, this challenge on paper is tougher than Chrissy Two Sticks Cuphead Challenge. Easily so. Also, I noticed Chrissy Two Sticks has started to use the Chrissy Two Sticks hashtag on Twitter. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, Rab has never had to kill anyone he respects, but take him away anyway and send this man to the abyss. The gatekeepers do their job. They herd shells towards the abyss chamber. Rab wants to hear the flush. We all want to hear the flush. We were chanting for that chap's death, like absolute mindless killing drones. But hey, we get it. And we also discover that the Games Master cannot carry a tune. (laughs) 
3-1. I've never heard such a tuneless 3-1 in my life. It was amazing. Yeah, that was like, we got that one take. That's probably the best we're going to get. Let's move on to the next thing. Now, not everybody who watches this show is going to have as much knowledge about video games as me. That's why I asked my mate Grado, the UK's greatest pro wrestler, to join us for a chat. Now, Rab here says that, you know, not everyone who watches this show will have the gaming knowledge that he has. And that's fair. That was the same of the original Games Master, although... You know, 6pm is a bit different to 10pm on E4, but let's roll with it. However, he does want the everyman represented in this situation. So that's why he's got the UK's greatest wrestler. He is indeed the UK's greatest professional wrestler. It's our boy Grado. Listen, I love Grado. I think Grado is a, is a smashing young chap. I think he's the UK's greatest pro wrestler, though. I don't think Grado thinks that. He's the UK's probably most entertaining pro wrestler. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's got that universal appeal. He's he's just got that kind of... He's got he's way better than Big Daddy ever was. But he's got the Big Daddy appeal, you know, that, that kind of like that transcends the wrestling scene in itself. And that can be seen by Scott Squad and the other stuff that he's been involved in. He's really charismatic, really entertaining. He's great there. He's great on wrestling. He's great in Games Master. He's just a lovely guy. All right, Gredo. All right, man. Can I ask you a question? Hi. Do you know what a mod is? My girlfriend's dad was a mod in the 60s. He wore lumbrella jackets and mopeds and stuff. No, mate. No, no, that kind of mod. You know, gamers get games and they start modifying them, changing how it looks, changing how it plays, making it better. Sometimes, can you believe this, mate? Fixing the mistakes that the game designers made. Surely it was. Why would you want to buy a game that needs fixed? Now, this may just be me. This was by far my favourite edition of Educating Grado. This was proper howling with laughter at certain bits of this. Whether it was just, you know, do you know what a mod is? My girlfriend's dad used to be a mod in the 60s. Not that kind of mod. Why would you buy a game that's, that needs fixing? An excellent question from Grado there. Yeah, hands up. <laughs> Who's bought a game that's broken anyway? Me. I definitely have multiple <laughs> times. Yeah. We're back to talking about WWE 2K again. Exactly, yeah. His confusion of a modder and a hacker and his 1990s feeling on what a hacker really is to my favourite part of this. Actually, it's not my favourite part because there was too many bits that made me laugh in this. Rab saying Doom. Grado saying Doom back to him but in three different spellings on the screen. We had D-U-M-M, D-U-M-E, and D-U-M-H. Because Grado has never heard of Doom at all. I think that's the concussions talking, Luke. It was the question of, why is that one broken? I was like, no, it's one of the greatest games ever made. And guess what? They made it even better. They made a mod for it, featuring Scotland's natural (laughs) end-of-level boss. I mean, the Daily Mail aren't reviewing this. But if they were, oh boy, would they be upset at this segment. I reckon they'll review this just to be upset at it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's more Eve. It's more Channel Four going against the, uh, the, the the liberal elite of Channel Four hating on the the great legacy of, of Maggie Thatcher. I'm sure Nadine Doris, who actually doesn't know how Channel Four is funded, despite the fact that she really should because it's her fucking job, will be very upset at all this. The big prick that she is. I've noticed something, Luke. You're swearing more on the Series 8 reviews than me, and I don't know why it is. You just seem really punchy. 
Uh, well, I, I will get punchy when I come to Nadine Doris. Go, by, by the way, because I, I edited episode two. Crikey, the pair of us were swearing like sailors. I ran out of swears. I ran out of the swear jar. And I never run out of a swear jar in an episode. I had to start reusing them. But anyway, this mod, Thatcher's Tech Base. Did you look this mod up? Oh, boy, howdy, did I. Were you also surprised at when this was released? Yeah, I thought this would have been one a mod from the 90s. Because it's modded on Doom 2. I would have assumed this was one of, like, the original mods. Now, this came out this year. This was a lockdown project. This came out about a week before we were attending the taping of Games Master Series 8. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I'm downloading that. I'm absolutely going to get hold of that. That looks like it will be a cracking bit of fun because the basic plot of it is it's set in the UK and the player is tasked with killing former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, who, would you Adam and Eve it, Luke, she's risen from the dead to kill again, so you've got to take her out. Yeah, the, the guy who programmed this, uh, Dr. Doom Daddy, Jim Purvis is his real name, uh, he did an interview with NME where he said, I was hoping Thatcher's tech base would do all right with my Scottish pals and other known Thatcher haters, but I never imagined it would end up on the big gaming sites or to be analysed by professors at Manchester and Liverpool University. It's how big this game got. He continues, Thatcher's tech base basically started as a joke. At the start of the winter coronavirus lockdown last year, I was playing a lot of the original 1993 Doom on my computer and fancied making a map for my pals to play. Not long after, I started messing with Doom Builder and I saw a tweet by my friend where he joked that if he was sent to hell, he would spend eternity scouring the place for Thatcher. I thought that would make for a fun Wii project. The game grew arms, legs and horns from there. My pals began suggesting more and more and more ridiculous things to include. John Romero's tweeted about this. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check it out. Tell you what, we've got Under Consultation Live coming up. Maybe kind of like <laughs> yeah. when the doors are open, I'll see if I can have something over in the corner running Doom with Thatcher's tech base on it because we'll be back in hell. And what more appropriate place to play Thatcher's tech base than hell? The other lovely thing to mention about this as well is that Purvis, he, the game's free. Because in his own words, he's like, look, I've used assets from ID software. I've used copyrighted images and other reference material and stuff. But he has suggested that people show their support by donating to a list of organizations, including Living Rent, the Hillsborough Justice Campaign, and the Coal Industry Social Welfare Organization. Sections of the UK that were hit by things that Thatcher did for her 11 years in reign. So I um, I think it's a very, very noble uh, project in the end of the day. Also, it's a very fun and funny thing at the end of the day as well. And I, I just, I loved everything about this segment of the show. I loved this edition of Educating Grado. I loved Grado being like, oh, I'm not getting political, mate. I don't want to get political <laughs> on here. <laughs> and, then, and then when is it, and Rab goes, let's go kill Thatcher. Grado's like, oh, you shouldn't say that on telly. And then we just get Grado describing what he does, which you used for your opening, because they literally can't show that on TV. In fact, you know what? They probably could, but it's funnier if they, they say they can't. He describes using a shotgun. He describes using a chainsaw. He then says he punched her in her face. She was a muscly cyber demon with a Thatcher wig. And then we just cut back to Rab. <laughs> what did you think? Loved it. Loved End. It. End. A fantastic punchline to this. It goes from Grado being like, oh, I don't want to get political. I don't want to get involved. What do you think? Loved it. A superb, superb punchline to that. Well, let's get into our second challenge. 
What are we playing, Games Master? This challenge is a head-to-head -head best of three fighting on Street Fighter V, the latest from one of the greatest fighting game franchises of all time. While challengers may be tempted to button smash, Street Fighter V introduced the V-Gage for the first time, which they should use to gain an advantage. When players take a hit or block attacks, they fill their V-Gage, which in turn is used to enable each character's special V-Skills. These powerful moves will give challengers an edge, while their defensive V-reversal offers a quick counter-attack. It's unfortunately not Street Fighter 4, but it is still Street Fighter. Now, I'm probably going to get some flack for this, because there are people out there who, despite the fact that Capcom really did biff Street Fighter 5 to begin with, have become ardent defenders of it, particularly with Champion Edition, which did fix a lot of the issues. Also, I can't deny, they are adding or have added Dan in, which does immediately make it more appealing to me because I troll people with Dan and that was one of my favourite things to do in Street Fighter 4. But yeah, I wish this had been Street Fighter 4. Yeah. Also, spoiler for the challenge ahead, I think these guys are playing Street Fighter 5 on a PS5 pad. Or absolute bloody masochists. This is a challenge that is most like the original series of Games Master because this isn't pro players playing Street Fighter. These aren't pro Street Fighter players coming in. These are two friends coming in to settle the difference. They're not even playing for a joystick, which we'll, we'll find out in a little bit. And because they're not pro players, they're not playing Street Fighter like pros. They're playing it like regular ass Joes, which makes it the most like original series Games Master Challenge we've had in this three episode run. I will say, and again, this is skipping ahead. This is probably the most negative I've been on any gameplay in a challenge. And it is because it is... It's very scrubby, but see previous comment about playing with a PS5 pad. But we'll get to that because let's just cover Street Fighter V because I'm sure there are some people tuning in to Games Master, seeing this challenge and going, this is Street Fighter V? Because their knowledge probably ended with two because three really was for the hardcore gamers. Four primarily existed for Xbox Live. And to be honest, was absolutely stunning on Xbox oh, so Live. so good. Street Fighter Four was a brilliant game. It was accessible. Yeah. There were a lot of hardcore Street Fighter players that didn't like 4, and at least some of them have directly said to me, it's because it was accessible. They, they actually didn't... It's not that they resented the fact that anyone could pick it up, but it was a case of it, they didn't feel it was quite as deep. Now, obviously, that changed over time, much as with Street Fighter 2, 3, and 4, and indeed 5. There were multiple iterations. I think 2 still holds the record for the sheer number of them, but 4 had a fair few. And then we get to 5 that has also had some revisions. This one went the opposite direction. This was a PlayStation exclusive. Remains on console, a PlayStation exclusive to this day. Also did get released for Microsoft Windows. And apparently the reason was, or what Capcom say, is that Sony had the same vision for the growth potential in the fighting game space, which to me sounds like a load of money. I was going to say 100% it's the money thing. And it was built on Unreal Engine 4 because why not? Everything else was. It got okay to middling reviews the graphics were praised the gameplay was praised but a lot of people felt it was very bare bones i remember thinking that i bought this day one and i remember being disappointed the net code was diabolical the online play was was naff i never got into this game online both because i didn't get on with some core mechanics of street fighter 5 and also i just found it too unreliable and they expected it to sell in excess of 2 million copies by the end of 2016 they only sold 1.4 million copies by the end of the fiscal year. And at this point, it's reached about 6 million. 
it's the second best-selling Street Fighter game on home consoles. This is a example of kind of what Rab was talking about uh, in Educating Grado. It was a broken game. It was released at full price as a broken, bare-bones game. I got given it as a gift. I didn't buy it day one. I shouldn't think I had a PlayStation when this came out. So I got given it as a gift, and it had a massive, massive patch that needed to be installed. So big, in fact, it would have taken a day or so to install the patch. It had so much that needed fixing. And because of that, I barely played it. Because I can play it without installing the patch. And just like me and my brother just wanted to have a quick bash on it, like at Christmas. And it was like, oh, well, we could either have a quick bash now with the four players that we can select from, or we wait a day and a half and I keep the PlayStation on for that entire time for it to actually get get fixed. And he was like, oh, that's pretty stupid. And I was like, yeah, it is, isn't it? That's AAA games for you these days, I guess. And because of that, I barely touched it. It launched without an arcade mode. I know, right? How do you do that? Yeah, a, a Capcom biffed it, basically. They they biffed it, and it has clawed some back, and it's a game I actually picked up a champ... I, weirdly, I had the first PlayStation 4 release of it, and I was thinking, I should get the patch to go up to Champion Edition, because they have added a lot in. And then I saw that I could actually buy a boxed copy of Champion Edition cheaper than I could buy the upgrade patch on the PlayStation Store. So I've actually got a boxed and still sealed copy of Champion Edition downstairs. But hey, Christmas break is coming up and Dan is there now. Maybe, maybe that's what it will take for me to get back into this. Certainly seeing these guys play this game gave me the itching to play some Street Fighter. Now, not necessarily Street Fighter V, but certainly to play some Street Fighter. And it's also not the only Street Fighter we'll get in this episode as well. Which certainly is not. This might also be my favourite interaction from the Games Master and the Challengers, because you've got these two lads here. They crop up. Abs and Ash. Great name on one of those. I know. I love Abs. <laughs> it's just such a cool name. I wrote it with a Z. Oh, did you? I wrote it with an S, uh, like ah. the guy from Five. And either Abs or Ash says, I've completed every single game. It's Abs. It's Abs. And Games Master goes, ever? And the guy goes, ever. And Games Master replies with, bollocks. This is where you realise that you've got a Ron Burgundy situation here where you can put anything on a teleprompter and Trevor McDonald is going to say it. And it's not the last time I had that thought this episode, but I just heard Trevor McDonald say the word bollocks on national television. <laughs> I am living an absolute blessed life. Also because, uh, again, thanks to Kian and thanks to Channel 4, particularly to the person in the press office at Channel 4 who sent us a link to this episode on the weekend. Amazing work. Thank you so much. We actually saw the E4 version this time rather than the YouTube version, which is what we saw for episode two. And therefore, I assume that if the word bollocks is going into this version that we were sent the preview link to, they are going to broadcast the word bollocks, which I shouldn't be surprised by because it is 10pm, it is post-Watershed. But also, the Games Master and or Sir Trevor MacDonald just said the word bollocks on national television. I would have loved the news at 10 to start like that. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Oh, Bong bollocks. It made me laugh so much. Uh, it really caught me off guard, uh, and I and I loved it. Apparently, as well, he's also been very handy in a street fight, mostly headbutts, because he's a big giant head. Yeah. <laughs> Without a bum, we'll get to that. So you are going to be playing a classic here, right? Street Fighter Five. No, I hear that you're not playing for one of our 
golden joysticks. Uh, I hear that you are doing something that could alter your relationship fundamentally. This, this grudge match has been going on for a long time. I've known this guy for about 20 years, but this time we're going to put it all on the line. So we're Man United season ticket holders. <laughs> the loser has to pay for the other guy's season ticket. And um, do you know what? I could do with saving a grand, so... Can't wait to see you pay for me then. As we mentioned earlier, this is not for a golden joystick, which Chrissy Two Sticks finds uh, mad, by the way. Instead, they are typical Londoners in that they're Man United fans. And they are playing against each other here where the loser has to buy the season ticket for the victor. Now, I'd have just played for the joystick because I assume the Games Master Golden Joystick is like a slightly more unwieldy version of the Blue Peter Badge. You just walk up to somewhere and you show it and they let you in. That's how the Blue Peter Badge works, right? Yeah, I would have waited. So if you walked up there and just showed it and they'd be like, yeah, cool. In you go, lads. Like you just walk up to Buckingham Palace with your joystick or Blue Peter badge and you go, uh, public toilet's out of order. Can I use the queen shitter? And the guards are like, sure, come in Absolutely. with your golden joystick. Can I take a photo of, of me with it? Absolutely. Of course you can. I'm a celebrity now. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a grand. It's like the joystick would have been cheaper, certainly. But it is, you're talking like a thousand pound or more for a season ticket for Man U. So that's a lot put on the line. And this is, oh man, this is wild playing. And you can, <laughs> you can hear Frankie getting frustrated on the commentary. Not, not frustrated is a strong word, but you can hear it being like, this, this isn't the best games playing I've ever seen in my life. And, and, I'm, and I'm trying to make it sound like it's good games playing on, through, my, through the commentary. And she's very good at what she does, uh, does Frankie. But you can hear the tone in her voice being like, I mean, if you, if you just did that though, it, it would be better, wouldn't it? I can sum up this gameplay in one word, scrubby. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a scrappy old fight, isn't it? Lot yeah. Of, like Rab even says when you get into the second round, doing a lot of kicks that are very ineffective, aren't they? I mean, they're doing chip damage, but they're not actually connecting with it. And there's a bunch of times where I'm seeing them hit kicks or punches or rather throw kicks or punches where I'm like, you're struggling with that PlayStation 5 D-pad, aren't you? Because they're trying to throw the quarter circles. They're trying to throw, you know, your, your forward, down, down, forward. And it just, it's never for me worked on a PlayStation joypad. I need something that rolls for a Street Fighter. I need something like a Mega Drive or the Mad Cat's Fight Pad or something along those lines. Or even actually the latest Xbox pad has got it right. It's got a roll on it. You can do stuff. I mean, I still prefer a six button layout for the, for the, um, the hit buttons, but you can do decent rolls on it. I do want to give props to Rab, though, because he goes back to the Celtic pool again and goes, you know, you could just get a Glasgow Celtic ticket. And Abs and Ash are both like, who? What? Who's that? Get out of here. It's, it's fun. It's bants, Luke. It's mad bants. Well, I particularly enjoyed the bants between Rabs and Frankie when Rab was just like, I would just Hadouken and keep Hadouken. And, and Frankie just goes like, oh, I would show Hadouken you if you tried to do that. Like, I would shut down that tactic very, very quickly. I would punch your taint into next Sunday. That's <laughs> just what would happen there. I love the fact that, that Rab, there's not enough Hadoukens in this. Like, every night is like, not enough Hadoukens in this fight for my liking. See, this is the difference between this Ash and that Ash. I would absolutely go for Ken. Like, of the two, I prefer Ken. I, I just do. I prefer his reach with the Dragon Punch. I'm fine giving up the extra spicy Hadoukens. I prefer the reach on the Dragon Punch. I prefer the different style of the Hurricane Kick. I just prefer Ken. You can call me a shitty flowchart player. I may well be, but I'm at least moderately competent with Ken. There's a moment during this when Ash stops a, a critical R, which Frankie really puts over. It's like, oh, he saw it coming in. It did this and the other. 
I would wager he did it by accident. I think it's a possibility, but I appreciate Frankie selling it. 100%. And that's what I was talking about with Frankie being a pro at this, is this must be one of the hardest things she's ever had to commentate on. Because she's got to make this sound like they know what they're doing. And it's, I guess you said scrappy, it's scrappy. It is, Rab says, oh, they're taking it back to the original Street Fighter 2 with their style of playing. And I was like, yeah, this feels like episode one of series two levels of Street Fighter playing. Although that being said, Abs does get to spam a weak shuriken, and by spamming that, he takes the first round. It's not a great tactic, but it works. It works. Again, it's chipping the damage down. And the one thing you can't say in this game, even if it is a bit scrappy, is you can't say that it was just a landslide. They, they went back and forth. They chipped back and forth. And it's the same with the fighting challenge we've got later. It's right down to the wire, and that makes it entertaining, even if I think I was getting a little bit kind of worked up on this just going what are you doing why are you just jumping across the screen and then looking at the other player and going you're he's just jumping across the screen why are you not punching him out of the air i was proper backseat gaming on it (laughs) ash seemingly has the win in the bag like in that third round it felt like it was his to win and abs makes a very good comeback with a bit of spamming in there and gets the win and Ash, in typical Games Master fashion, I'm talking about the person on screen not referencing you, says, the controller didn't work. Which actually might be the first time that's, that's accurate. I mean, the controller works, it's just not ideally suited for Street Fighter. Now, there are people that can master Street Fighter on a PlayStation pad. Respect to you, I'm not one of you. I'd argue most people aren't. And again, we get Frankie putting over Ash, stopping that critical R, which I do think was an accident. And we get Ty in interviewing a guy in the crowd who, you know, says, like, you don't get fights closer than that. If only he'd picked a heavier character like Guile or Blanca, maybe he would have, uh, he'd have had a bit more of a chance there. And I actually think they've done a really smart job in the edit. We've mentioned a bunch of times throughout this run that they really needed to whittle down the content that they got from Ty interviewing people in the crowd, because a lot of it wasn't great that we saw on day three. But the bits that they have picked out and have been peppered throughout these three episodes have been wow, creme de la creme and really, really solid. Yeah, and I think the actual advice of going for a different character may have been beneficial, particularly I reckon he'd have done better with a charging character like your guy or like your Honda, like your Blanca. Something like that would have worked better. But maybe that's one to save for the next season ticket. Ty gets him to give us his best Hadouken, which got a big pop from the crowd and a pop from Rab and everyone. That was a fun one. And Rab is glad the football matches they once enjoyed together will now be tinged with by resentment. And as they leave, Rab tries to lead a chant of Celtic, Celtic, <laughs> which some of the crowd join in on, which is pretty fun. We also get a quick skit of them signing the contract, which apparently was filmed by our boy Christian. Really? Yeah, he put it on Twitter that he was the, he was the our camera operator. He filmed it on his phone. The challenge, despite being scrappy, was fun. I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. It was some good times. Welcome to beautiful Helensburgh. Of course, I was not born here. I'm a Glasgow boy. Glasgow born and bred. So really, for this review, I should have taken you back to one of my old haunts, Balarnock, Bermullock, the North Glasgow, where I played the games of my childhood. But the truth is, I'm here now in Helensburgh with my wife and kids happier than I've ever been. So I'm very fortunate that there are great people out there who want to bring the games of my childhood to me. I've seen a lot about the Evercade Versus online, because it's not out yet. It's actually it's out, I think, in a couple of days. Might be out tomorrow, in fact, at the time that we're recording this. 
So I've seen a lot of chat about it online. I've seen a lot of people be very excited about the Evercade versus coming out this year. And this review from Rab made me go and look it up a little bit more. Because, you know, doing research for the podcast and this, that and the other. And I was genuinely curious by the review for it. And I did actually kind of make me want to get one. Like the collections of games that you can get for it are really, really good. And it's 110 quid. And with that, you get the Data Reese collection and the Technos collection, which means you get things like Burger Time, Joe and Mac 2, Side Pocket, Two Crew Dudes, Double Dragon 1 and 2, and Super Double Dragon, and importantly, River City Ransom. And there's a banging selection of games that you can get for this and i mean in particular like you can get the codemasters collection which has got sensible soccer cannon fodder megalomania cosmic spacehead psycho pinball you can get a bitmap collection with speedball speedball 2 xenon 2 chaos engine like it's got all these games that i absolutely love and it's in 1080p here's here's the thing is a lot of people when this is when the evercade handheld came out they would go, but I can already emulate all of this. And you're right, you can. And some of those same people with the Evercade Versus said, I can already emulate all this, I've got a Raspberry Pi. And you're right, you can. But there is something still to be said about the physical aspect of owning games. This is a console, you can plug multiple controllers in, you can plug two cartridges in, which is a... Do you know what? When I first saw that, I thought, that's a really weird thing to do. And then the more I saw it, the more I'm like, that's actually kind of cool. If you pick the right two cartridges, you could slap them both in and boom, you are set for the night with the lads, four players, whatever. And again, I'm like you, I'm looking at the Versus and going, yeah. Like, obviously, we're still going to be recording remotely for the foreseeable. But if we were meeting up and recording in person, I probably would have definitely considered dropping some some cash on one of these because also I think we could have some fun with the Evercade versus and doing some live streams. 100%, yeah. That's what I was about to say. Because it would just give us a way to play lots of fun, retro, time-appropriate games with minimal hassle. I mean, literally, we could meet up. I could have the Evercade versus in a poly bag, as Rab says. I could have my laptop. I could have my little USB 2 capture card here and... We could just, boom, go stream. It literally could carry everything we needed in a bag. And that is really freaking cool. And I think the Versus is still on my wish list. It will join the the stack of hardware that I barely have time to play at the moment. But I also love the way they curate the collections. I love that there's a Dizzy collection. I'm sure Dave Warmer loves that there's a Dizzy collection as well. That's it. And it's it's every Dizzy as well. Like it's an Oliver Twins like bumper pack. This is a great looking piece of hardware. It's fun. It's produced with love. It's produced with care. It's not just another Chineseian box where they've just dumped every available ROM on it. Things are licensed. You do get some extras. There's even some Easter eggs hidden in the Versus to do with what games you put in and combos. There's a thing in the uh, Retro Gamer magazine that featured the Versus where there are hidden extras and they're not telling everyone what they are. So people are going to have to find them. Like there are extra games, Luke. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, but based on having the versus. And I'm just like, this is this is great. This is fun. And four players. But you know what they need, Luke? What's that? They need a Bomberman collection. Well, yeah. I mean, that right there, that is that short. I mean, do you know what sold me on it, actually? Was everything that you just said there and then. And I was thinking about, you and I have discussed that next year we might do a little bit more streaming on Twitch. I'm, I'm trying to get into Twitch streaming. I feel like that is something that I would quite enjoy doing and doing it through the UCP Twitch account that you set up last year. This, in my head, I was like, oh, I could do some stuff with the PS4. I can bring the PS4 up here and I can do some stuff or whatever. 
this feels like a much better option to me now. This this is something that appeals to me way more because there's games on here that I've not played before, particularly like, you know, like Tanglewood, that Mega Drive game that came out a couple of years ago that was like a brand new Mega Drive game, Xeno Crisis and things like that. There's a Namco collection with Spider-House 2 and 3. There's Earthworm Jim, Boogerman, Clay Fighter, like all these games that I love on there. And the thing that sold me on it the most, there's a Worms collection that's got Worms. It's got Worms Armageddon, but it's it's original Worms. And I've been really in the mood as of late to play Worms. And this seems like the actual best way to play it. So yeah. I am, I'm 100% looking at in the new year, possibly picking one of these up because it's 110 quid and if you look on at least one of the main resellers of them you can get a bundle like it might cost you like 200 quid or maybe 250 but you get most of the evercade cartridges you get like 10 12 cartridges and with like what 10 20 games per cartridge you get some good shit there man you get some yeah. good shit i'm really into it i mean rab does a beautiful job in this review of uh, talking us through Helensburg, saying that he should have actually gone to Glasgow for this because this takes him back to when he was a boy, the places in North Glasgow where he went and where he played the games of his childhood. He's happier now. He's here now with his wife and his kids, and that's great. And I love that he gives a list of things for people to Google. And this is funny because this immediately reminded me of one of the conversations we had with Kian when we were talking about different ways that you could do a consultation zone. And I just said, you know, maybe explain, you know, what are upscalers? And and to be honest, that's kind of referenced here, not our conversation, but the upscalers, because Rab goes, Google these things, RetroTink, OSSC, Mr, quarter scale arcades, but you don't need to Google the Evercade versus because he's going to sell it to us. And yeah, I, I loved it. I loved this. This made me want it again. I'd briefly forgotten about it. And then the Retro Gamer came out and reminded me of it. And then this review came out and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this is nice. Yeah, this is this is right up my alley. And to be honest, like then that's job done for a review, right? That's that's that that's a credit to Rab, credit to Games Master, credit to Kian and the team to put this together. Job done. It made me want to buy it. If this is a paid promotion, which hey, guess what it could be, because we know these episodes feature paid promotion and it's not just for the quest, it didn't feel blatant because and I say this because I've seen a lot of criticism of Rab selling of the uh, Nintendo Switch, is I don't think Rab would try and sell anything. Like He wouldn't just shill anything. He wouldn't be shilling Way of the Warrior. He mm-hmm. wouldn't be shilling the Atari Jaguar. But I think you can kind of tell when he's genuinely interested in something, when he's genuinely into it. And Rab Florence loves the Nintendo Switch. When we interviewed him, we could see his Switch collection behind him. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a it was a bookcase of red, just red spine, red spine, red spine, red spine. There were more Switch games there than I've seen in like the biggest game store that I've been in. It was an immense collection. And so when he talks about something like the Evercade, I buy into it. Yeah. Because either he's genuine and sincere or he's a goddamn snake oil salesman. And I respect both of those. And it's why this little beauty is getting the Games Master 5 Finger Special. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Terrible, terrible. If you're not happy, you should talk to your agent about it, I think. Oh, sorry. Uh, Frankie, what's next? Before we get into our next challenge, there's a very odd intro to this where Rab is talking to a stuffed owl. I mean, you've got a problem with stuffed owls? No, no, not at all. It's just, it's almost like that stuffed owl probably should have been introduced in episode one or something or been sort of like a, a running thing throughout it, as opposed to it's just, it randomly appears here. I I love that it didn't because it actually felt very Vic and Bob. Mm, yeah. Just, just Vic and Bob, just a very kind of like spoofy, fun, silly thing. I loved it. I thought it was great. It made me chuckle a lot especially because it's not the last we'll see of this owl despite this being the last episode but it's the way he kind of conspiratorially goes oh we mustn't talk now frankie what we got coming up only he and the games master can hear it apparently but yeah let's get into our celebrity challenge what are we playing games master our celebrity challenger will be playing an edition of the most popular and longest running kart racing series of all time mario kart 8 deluxe They'll be racing the classic Yoshi circuit, where shortcuts are hidden behind secret waterfalls or guarded by piranha plants. Winning this race will be all about choosing the perfect combination of cart and driver before utilizing weapons effectively on the course. To be a successful Mario Kart racer, you must be ruthless. No one is safe from the dreaded blue shell. We, you know, we had a question on Underconsole Nation, uh, our Patreon community podcast, about like, consistently great games within a franchise i didn't i don't know why i didn't think of mario kart at that point because there's very there's only a handful of dud mario kart games and even then off the top of my head i can really think of one of them which is double dash i mean i was having the similar thought about tekken as well when it comes up later spoilers for a show you've already seen but yeah mario kart could definitely be be on that list and Mario Kart, much like one of the other games we had earlier in the series, is a Wii U up port to the Nintendo Switch. The Wii U had Mario Kart 8, and the Switch has Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which had 1080p graphics while docked, uh, some extra features, some extra DLC. They even had some Zelda Breath of the Wild related content come in. Look, it's Mario Kart. I don't need to do the hard sell on this. If you've played a Mario Kart after the first two, you know what you're getting with this. Like Mario Kart, Mario Kart 64, and then after that, Mario Kart went places. 
and this exemplifies that it became more than just cart it became hovercraft uh, racing car motorbike whatever tank yeah. probably i don't know it's always a banging time when you're playing Mario Kart. Uh, we're playing on the Yoshi circuit here, which does feature some shortcuts. And it's all about that perfect combination of Kart and Carter. And we have Els the Witch as our competitor here, who feels like it will be embarrassing if she does lose to a nine-year-old on national television. Hi, Games Master. Welcome to my realm. Thanks for having me. Why are you here? I am competing against a nine-year-old, so that should be fun. Hopefully I do beat the nine-year-old because otherwise it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> not against this nine-year-old. If I lose, it's not my fault. It will be someone else's fault for whatever reason. Spoken like a true millennial. Good for you. Thanks, Games Master. And she's not wrong, but guess what? Prepare for embarrassment, Els. However... She was eight when she started gaming, so she started quite young herself. And, and she started posting kind of gameplay videos to YouTube at the end of 2018. Uh, she had quite a bit of popularity for her Let's Play and playthroughs with commentary for a bunch of different games. Uh, she does a lot of stuff on The Sims. She's garnered more than 220,000 followers on YouTube. Her favourite games, as we are detailing here, includes Final Fantasy VII, Ocarina of Time, GTA San Andreas, and of course, The Sims. And what do you think her name is short for? Oh, I, I read this earlier because it's not Elizabeth, is it? No, it's Eleanor. That's the one, yeah. I, I read about this earlier, but I couldn't remember what it was and I didn't write it down. But she says to the games master that if she loses, it won't be her fault. It'll be someone else's fault for some reason. Spoken like a true millennial. And I was going to Google to correct games master on this, but she was born in 1991, which does make her a millennial. Yep, it does. She disappears and Games Master calls for next and the tawny owl appears. <laughs> and Games Master reminds the owl a contract is a contract and refuses to have this discussion again. I, it made no sense, but it made me laugh so much, so much more than it should have. Because I like that kind of humour. I love the absolute absurdist stuff. It's why I love Mr. Biffo and Digitizer and all that. It's why I love Vic and Bob. You know, it doesn't have to have a build-up to make me laugh. It can just be the surreal appearance of a mangy stuffed owl. Els does uh, clarify here, she's not an actual witch. You know, it was actually a nickname that was given to her because instead of using the B words, which yeah, it's actually pretty cute. I think that's quite a nice little story, uh, which Rab's disappointed by because he was like, well, I hope you could have cast some sort of spell on hairy growth. Tell you what, he's, he's following Dominic Diamond's footsteps in more ways than one. Because that's not the first time we've had a comment he's made about his own hairline. And yeah, she lists through the games that we were just talking about there. Final Fantasy VII, Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, Ocarina of Time. And then Rab's just like, well, I mean, everyone loves Final Fantasy VII, don't they? Wait. Yeah, she likes old games, Luke. Luke, all of those games, they're old. They are old. They all basically came out in the same year, apart from San Andreas, I guess, because I think they came out a few years later. But yeah, that is like late 90s uh, idealism right there. Yeah, just, yeah, games from that period of time are now old. I should just be taken out back and shot. Yeah, pretty much. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we were just talking about buying an Evercade Versus because I want to play Worms. I am in the same boat. We want an Evercade Versus with a nice, comfortable place we can play in, maybe some nice slippers. Exactly. And a cup of tea. Because, you know, I was talking about, oh, maybe I'll do, get my PS4 up. I'm not going to play anything new. I'm going to play Castlevania Symphony of the Night or the, um, the Advanced Collection. I'm not going to play anything. I don't have time for a new game. I'm going to play shit I already know how to play. I'm pretty sure me playing Forza 5 Horizon is me having a midlife crisis. <laughs> <It's> 
Like, I'll eventually get past to it and just go back to playing Micro Machines. It'll be fine. In my career in the gaming industry, I've met some true gaming greats. But none quite as infamous as the legendary Big Boy Barry. But now, the boy has surpassed the God of War. He loves nothing more than beating celebrities at video games. And he's got school in the morning. Well, someone who isn't past their prime. Someone who Rab calls a genetic freak. Holler if you hear me. Holler if you hear him. I heard you, Rab. And we get Frankie doing the introduction this time, where the boy has surpassed the god of war. Boy. (laughs) He's got school in the morning. Little lad Larry is here to burn rubber and read my dust. I think this is the first night challenge. I I think it's pretty much was actually, yeah. Because you can tell Larry's a little less confident in this one. He's a little bit shyer. He has some lines, but I think this first night, the shock of coming out and there being an audience chanting his name get to him a little. That's not a bad thing. You know, that's not a negative thing. That's not dissing on the kid because I'd be freaked out by it. This isn't quite he made me born levels of uh, of greatness right here. You know, just a toad is going to get squished. What they're doing here is a, is a full-on race. This isn't just one-on-one. This is a full eight-person race. And I, I really, really enjoyed the challenge. I can see why they saved this one till last. Because it's the closest that little lad Larry comes to losing. You definitely didn't want to do this first because he absolutely destroys Snoochie Shire and he absolutely destroys uh, Warren Brown. So this is the closest he comes to losing. So I totally get why it's the, the last challenge. And it's the magic of Mario Kart. Because even when you are last... Even when you are down and out in a race, there is a way to get you back. And if you're in first, there is always a way for you not to be in first. And it's back and forth the entire time. The multiple times where Larry's in the front, Larry's at the back, Els is in front, Els is at the back. It's the beauty of Mario Kart. I mean, Els even says as her strategy, she doesn't want to be in first place. Because if you're in first place, that blue shell is coming for you. It's as certain as a miserable Christmas in Albert Square that blue shell is going to hunt you down and take you out. But this is not to disparage against Els because she's actually doing pretty well in this. I felt really bad for Larry because I'm similar with Mario Kart when it comes to the bikes. I just can't get the cornering on those bikes. Yeah, he's really struggling with that cornering. He's running into a lot of walls. Like his first slip up that he makes because he gets the boost right off the gate. Second, he comes to a big turn, boff, straight into a wall. And I haven't ascertained whether this was true because i saw this tweet after i'd made my notes but someone said els had drive assist turned on i saw someone mention that in the youtube comments as well and i'm like hmm that that could explain it because cornering on those bikes is not easy but i also saw someone in the youtube comments say that the reason this series of games master is only three episodes is because filming was stopped due to covid there's also someone in the YouTube comments that said, YouTubers with no money loading videos every day, TV spending billions, only three episodes. And I'm like, yes, because they were spending billions of pounds making this series of Games Master, weren't they? But anyway, back to this challenge. It's back and forth right to the end. And they both spend time in first place. They both spend time in almost last place. And right towards the end, Larry finds his feet or wheels more precisely and just tears away and takes it right at the end. It is a tense race back and forth. Really fun to watch. Yeah, it was really, really good. I mean, like, Elle's credit to it came third. So it's not like she was miles behind the pack. Uh, It was really, really good. And I I can definitely see why they kept that one till last. And I particularly enjoyed Elle's uh, being like, 
He did that on purpose. It was the element of surprise. He made me think I was going to win so he could then sneak a victory at the end. I loved how she lent into it. Yeah. That's a pro move. And also, he's a nine-year-old kid. I, I, you, you, you big up the myth. You big up the mythology. It was a lot of fun. It was a great challenge. And, you know, she did well. So maybe, maybe Larry's going to show some mercy, Luke. No, no, no. Send her off to the abyss. That's my boy, shouts Barry in the background. <laughs> it's one of the few times we actually hear Barry. He did do a bunch of stuff to camera, but obviously for timing reasons, it just didn't make it in. And also, to be fair, Larry was the focal point of this. Yeah, absolutely. Els plunges into the lava and Games Master with the most pop culture references made yet. Eat your heart out, Squid Game. We've had a lot of guests on Under Consultation in the past. We've had contestants We've had hosts. We've had consultation zone participants. We have had directors. We have had producers. But we have never had a minion on this show. So I am pleased to say that the very first minion that we have ever interviewed is here today to give us their perspective on Games Master Series 8. Please welcome to the podcast, Gatekeeper Jonesy. How are you? Hi, hi. I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Excited to be here chatting to you guys. Give you the lowdown on Games Master. So I suppose like question number one, and this is where we you know tend to always go with whenever we speak to people involved in not just the old series, but you know, the new series as well, is were you watching the original show? Like what's your what's your history with Games Master? Uh, yes, I am that old. <laughs> I, remember this, I remember Games Master back in the day. Me and my brothers would be having dinner and it would be literally, the, it would be the only time we would sit down quietly, like the three of us, and just immerse ourselves in what is coming up, the challenges, just everything. Um, so yeah, I remember it really clearly. So how did you get involved with the, the new series? It's not what you know in this scenario, it's who you know. I'm friends with Keen. We've actually got um, a geek group WhatsApp. Uh, we send like each other memes about, it's predominantly films, but there is some, I try to jam in some game memes in there as well. And um, he was like, guys, I need some gatekeepers. Is anyone around? And I was like, uh, definitely me. Hello. Like, why did you not come to me first? And yeah, it just so happened I was free on the days that they were filming. I was like, yeah, sign me up. I'm there. I'll pay for myself to get there. I'll do anything. Like, I would have been knocking at his door if he wasn't knocking at mine. So I was very, very lucky. I'm guessing at some point, either on this WhatsApp group or via other means, you obviously found out Kian was doing Games Master, was bringing it back. Was there an element of you just kind of like looking at your phone going, TikTok, when's, when's the call going to come? <laughs> well, it was weird. He, he kind of sent a message saying, what would you feel about if someone redid Games Master and none of us clocked on and we were just like, yeah, that would be really cool. However, it would have to be this and have to be that. So we were giving him like all these golden nuggets of information. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then all of a sudden the cat was out of the bag. Like we we didn't clock until he told us. It didn't even occur to me that he would like be looking for like, I don't know, extras, I guess. So when he was just like, oh, we've got some some things coming up. Would you be able to so yeah, and maybe I was just completely naive to it. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't didn't know it was going to be a thing. As a fan of the show, when the first the news first came out, you yeah. know, back in February, the news is coming out. Games Master might get rebooted, and then it was starting like to, to you know tickles bits here and there, being like, oh, I think it might actually happen. As a fan of the show, what was your initial reaction? Initially, I was a bit like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> things that come back, yeah. 
they they would have to tread really carefully to keep the kind of the special elements that it had that would resonate with older fans of the show but also have to have something really a bit extra to get the new generation like excited about it it's a really tricky balance but obviously they did very very well so yeah initially I was a bit hesitant and then obviously as stuff started to come out especially with um, the presenters as soon as like they were released who they were I was like I need to find out more about these people because I didn't really know I've heard of um, Frankie, knew a bit about Rab. I didn't know anything about Ty. So I, was, I had to do some research about that, but I got very excited, especially when they released who the Games Master was going to be. I was very, very excited about that. Was there in your, in your head, whilst you were involved in the filming, whilst you were busy being probably the only gatekeeper that's actually welcome in video games, <laughs> did, did you have anything in your mind Stood like who who were you thinking, oh, that might be the games master? There was a lot of rumors going around set. <laughs> a lot of people were talking about it. Um, I can't remember. I think there was some like older women that were discussed. Maybe I think it was Joan Collins or someone said that. I like I can't remember all the names, but um I think Trevor McDonald did come up in conversation. As I say, there were just so many names, so many rumours, and everyone was like, do you know? Do you know? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, maybe I've heard this. So it was so difficult to establish who, who it was going to be. Joan Collins would have been a wild games master. That would have been, that'd have been <laughs> a really... That'd have been, that's a great choice, but like, <laughs> like out of left field. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by it, though. Yeah, it would, it would have been a real weird mix. I don't know if she would have worked, maybe. <laughs> yeah. but, but I think because... Because Trevor McDonald has done such a stellar job that now looking back at anybody else that was kind of rumoured to have been, I don't think would have worked. So what's your origin story um, as a, a gamer and sort of like that got you to this position you're currently at now? Oh, I'm old, so the story's long. So <laughs> <laughs> my brother's always had the consoles in the house. Like I was never given a console. Like we grew up with Ataris and Spectrums and then moved on to like the snares playstation i think i didn't get my first games console until the snares super nintendo when my brother gave it to me which because it was his uh, he didn't have a birthday present for me so he was just like there you go and i just remember being like i think it was uh super mario i just couldn't stop like playing it and then when my brother got a uh, ps1 and he had tomb raider that was that was a real like turning point i was like there's a girl in the computer game? What? And it was just crazy. And um, it just just clicked something in me that I was like, I need to do this. And then there was this weird period of my life where I just didn't play computer games. And then Skyrim happened. And I took five days off work sick. Sick. <laughs> you know? Um, and I played it from morning until night. And I did it again and again and again. And then since then, I just, I haven't stopped. I haven't stopped. TV wise, is this is this like a first TV style role for you? Is like, it, or is this a realm that you've worked within? So I know I came off really professional as a gatekeeper, and some might say, you know, I had been doing it for years. <laughs> I've never been on TV. <laughs> <laughs> never in my life have I been on TV. It was a real experience, but everyone was so lovely. I was so nervous on the first day just because you're surrounded by so many like 
amazing professional people people like rab and frankie ty like they were just nailing it every time and every time there was like bring the gatekeeper i was like i was so glad i had a mask on and i didn't have to say anything because inside i was trembling (laughs) but um yeah it was a first experience and it was a great experience so you kind of like hammer down kian's door just going yes I, i will be the gatekeeper i will be a gatekeeper make me a gatekeeper yeah what point did you realize okay, I'm going to be a monk slash plague doctor slash kind of dispatcher of the unworthy? Like when did you get an idea of what your costume was going to be? Um, I didn't know what my costume was going to be until literally like two days before. Uh, Keen had uh, sent me a message saying, oh, can you come to this place and try it like on this costume and stuff and I was like oh my god that's like a two-hour drive and I was working at the time so I was just like oh and then he was like actually scrap that don't worry we found the perfect costume it's kind of a a one-size-fits-all and I was like oh intriguing so okay I'm glad I'm not in something that's really ridiculously skimpy and (laughs) something's gonna make me feel really uncomfortable instead I had the most comfortable um wonderful outfit and it was just thrown at me pretty much on the first day of filming. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this will work. This will totally work. When Ash and I went to the tapings, we were there for the third day. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our friends had gone uh, in before us and to like have a tour around the set. Yeah. And when he came out to see us, he said, oh, when you go in, look on your left and look at what they're wearing. <laughs> and you were you and you know, the, the first people that we saw. And yeah. you saw they were wearing the robes. And me and Ash were like, oh, they're doing the monks again. They're doing the yeah. monks from series one. <laughs> it's a classic. You have to go back to the original like feel of it. And I think they did really well with the costume the the other gatekeeper though he was like six foot four or something it's a weeny bit tight on him <laughs> so it was not so much a one size fits all a one size fits all most regular size human beings <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's a very tall very very tall and a very good saxophone player amazing saxophone player amazing because i think there are total there are three gatekeepers over the three days tapings because I can recognize you all by your hands and in the case of the day three gatekeeper certainly the height (laughs) that is quite that is quite a thing because I notice on the day three one it's like you all look very good and then when you get down to the bottom on him you can see these smart (laughs) dress trousers and the dress shoes that was kind of awesome it was very much in the tone I think it made it quite uh, like gave it a little bit of comedy factor as well because he's so tall and I'm quite short so when we kind of stood close together it kind of I don't know David and Goliath type situation this is your first experience in tv um so your first experience on a a set and being part of like a crew and everything so what was that like on your first day outside of the nerves what was that like so it was a bit weird I always kind of say yes to situations before I really think about it so when Kim was like oh come and be a cake I was like yeah absolutely and then driving there I was a bit like oh crumbs I've 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 said yes to this I'm gonna have to like just fake it till you make it don't act nervous you'll be fine (laughs) Uh, got there on the day sat down I was a little bit early just because you know panic I was like don't want to be late I want to make a good impression I want them to have me back everyone was just so nice they were like they could see I was sitting by myself kind of just twiddling my thumbs they're like are you all right do you want this let me show you around making sure that I was looked after making sure I knew where the coffee was Ty came over introduced himself literally he is like one in a million guy I tell you that he every day he made a point of saying hello to absolutely everybody shaking his hand saying how's your day you excited what what a stellar guy but um yeah it was I thought it'd be really awkward and I'd be like 
just sitting around, not having anyone to talk to, but everyone was so lovely. The thing that I was so impressed by, and Ash was the same when we went down to the set, was actually seeing the set and seeing it just oh like being God. so cool. Like, what, how did you feel like when you're like walking onto it? I was literally blown away because I remember just kind of being uh, shown around and they were like okay so this is where we're going to be filming and I just was like you know that moment when all the kids go into Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for the first time that was me I was Augustus Gloop like (laughs) it was just amazing and I was just like oh my god this is professional like I'm gonna be on a real set and this this looks amazing. Like I was dumbstruck by it all. And then they had like this very professional talk and I'm just like, oh my God, this is Games Master. Not taking in anything, any of the proper information that I was meant to be absorbing. Just like, yeah, in total like awe of everything. You're very friendly with Kian. That's been established. You've got your excellent WhatsApp group with him, with your memes and everything. Yes. Is this the first time you've worked? For like for Kian essentially, or like you know him yeah. bossing you around. <laughs> I mean, although we have this WhatsApp group, I only see him about one or two times a year. Like if our friends have parties, because we've got friends that kind of cross over. So yeah, I only see him at like occasional parties, and even less so obviously with COVID. So I didn't actually see a lot of him around while we were filming because obviously he's a very important person. So I'll just kind of give him a an odd nod and a wink. Caught his eye, like all right, I know him <laughs> kind of situation. So he was great to work with. Were you given like specific directions as a gatekeeper? So yes and no. Everything was constantly changing. And um, one of the wonderful people that was looking after me, they were like, whatever you do, just do it with confidence. So if you muck it up, don't worry, we can retake. It's not a problem. I'd like to say that actually none of my parts were retaken because um, <laughs> I'm such a professional. But yeah, they were like, whatever you do, just do it with confidence. They couldn't tell us exactly what to do in certain scenarios. So like when we were ushering the celebrities or gamers into like the abyss, we didn't know how they would react to us because that wasn't practiced. We just kind of had to go in and like give them a good poke. We didn't know if they were going to run away or how they would go around the pillars. So we kind of had to be adaptable to that situation. So we were given a little bit of uh, artistic freedom, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we actually just done the uh, the episode with Warren Brown, and <laughs> he was doing like a little bit of like get off, get off that me and, and like yeah. actually, and um, Sunpai as well. Like she's like almost yells, "I'm not ready to die." <laughs> There was like a small part of me that was internal, like, oh, crap, what am I going to do if she doesn't want to go? Like, <laughs> I was like, kind of just get around that side to move her, maneuver around that side. And the same with um, K-Pow as well. She was so animated with everything. I was like, I don't know where she's going to go. Like, so you just kind of have to guess their their movements and like put your arms out as wide as you can and be like, it's almost like cat herding, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Getting them into like that tiny hole and then shutting the door. How, how was the visibility? through the masks because I've worn similar kind of costume masks and I know that the peripheral can be a little bit challenging. Oh my word, we couldn't see a thing. <laughs> and the worst thing about it is when we were like in the mask for a long period of time, this is going to sound really disgusting, hot breath steamed up the little windows that we had. So we had even less visibility um, and they would collect condensation in the, the, the beaks. So when we were given a, a chance to take the, the masks off, you'd have to like dangle them upside down and just literally water condensation hot breath all of that stuff would just come out it was disgusting some of the audience would catch us and be like oh <laughs> like yes this is glamour <laughs> this is tv 
is that not then a very nervy thing when you've got to handle the Games Master golden joystick? And like walk around because it's not like you had a huge amount of room to walk around like at the abyss chamber with the audience oh, yeah. there and everything. And also to the side of the abyss chamber, not where the levers were, the other side, there was like an old fashioned crank. And if you weren't careful, you could like smash your thighs. And I think the other gatekeeper did as he was walking in, couldn't see because the audience were quite close to one side. Um, he, yeah, he smashed his shin on like a metal bar. Um, I don't think he's going to claim, just in case anyone from Games Master is one. <laughs> no blame, no claim, it's fine. <laughs> Have you been involved in an accident? <laughs> yeah. But as for nerves... I was I was more excited because you know I get to, I get to hold the golden joystick. Do I steal one? <laughs> I was just like I could probably hide one under my robe. Um, I didn't. I absolutely didn't. But um, yeah, I was excited um, just to hold it for a small a small time. Yeah, I I as I said, I've worn a mask similar to the one you wore, so I knew about the mm-hmm. visibility because back when we spoke to Kian and I can't remember if we left this in. I think we did. It's uh-huh. the one time when you were walking past to go behind the chamber. Yeah. Uh, the staff you were carrying. <gasps> I got a little I got a little woken up by the staff, shall we say. Oops. I don't think that was me. That might be the other gatekeeper. I think I'm too too professional for that. <laughs> was me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ian actually took the approach of, yeah, I, I told her to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was following orders. I was following orders. Beat up the podcasters. That's yeah. that's how we get them on side. I can imagine that as a gatekeeper, you're there and you've got to be pretty stoic as well, I'd imagine. You can't mm-hmm. be showing too much emotion, getting into anything. No. But I can't even remember, were you, on, were you actually on set like during the challenges and stuff or were you able to be sort of like just off to the side and being able to watch? So some of them we were at the door. So when the contestants came in, we would open the doors, let them in. We would then... I think there was then a cut and we had to go to the back. So we were ready to either send them into the abyss or give them a golden joystick. Depending on what angle we were and how big the crowd was, we could see the TVs like either side. So whenever we could, we would try and take our masks off and have a little look and see what was going on. Because obviously I want to see the gameplay. I want to see the fun stuff. I couldn't wait until... Uh, it aired on E4. <laughs> I wanted to see what was happening. I want to see who was winning. Um, and we kind of had to know who was going to win and who was going to lose so we could get ourselves on the right side to get them into the abyss or give them the golden joystick. So we did see a little bit. Were there any challenges that you wanted to do? There was. I wanted to beat little lad Larry at Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to do that. Is that bad, me wanting to beat a kid on TV? <laughs> no, little Al, he'd, he'd revel in it, surely. You think? <laughs> yeah, well, he's looking, for, he's looking for challenges. That's what Larry wants. Yeah. Last week was the second episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think there will be a bigger moment in this revival than Christian going double or nothing. Oh, my God. That was my favourite. And watching him do Cuphead, like, I haven't played Cuphead because I know it's for me, would be pretty much impossible. I do like playing hard games. I play Bloodborne and all of that. But Cuphead, I just feel like there's so much going on. And he was just so cool. I think he knew, like, deep down, he must have practiced. He must have gone and been like, yeah. But then it just takes one bit of pressure. And he could have lost his original golden joystick. And when I asked, I said, would would they have really smashed his original? And they were like, yeah, they were going to smash his original if he lost. I was like, that's a risk. That yeah, is oh, a risk. Right? Me and Ash talked about this, and when we did our, the review podcast for it, I said to Ash, I was like, if you, if you were in Christian shoes, would you have done it? And Ash was like, no. 
I was you like, me neither. So confident. You have oh, to yeah. be so, so confident. And he doesn't, like, he's a, such a nice guy, but he doesn't come across like, yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, I've got this in the bag, brother. He came in cool as a cucumber and was like, yeah, let's do this. It's fun. It's, be, it's because he hasn't aged for 20 years. He, he hasn't, just... has he? <laughs> yeah. secret. Did you find out that secret? <laughs> no, he wouldn't tell me. His paper round was probably a bit easier than ours. <laughs> <laughs> you are the first interview we've done for Series 8. That's mm-hmm. been done after the episodes have aired. Yeah. Like we spoke to Kean before the show aired. We spoke to Frankie and Rab before the show aired. So you're the first person who's directly involved in the show that we can ask this question to. But how have you found the feedback to the show? I've been so happy. Like, so every day after it's um, either aired on YouTube or on E4, I've just gone into the hashtag Gamesmaster just to have a little, just have a little sneak peek, a little see, just just to get like a, a nice viewpoint from other people's point of views, I guess, that aren't biased. Because obviously, I think it's amazing because it is. But it's just been so popular, and everyone's like, "This is great! It's such a." an amazing tribute to the old ones and I, I to be honest i have not seen a bad a bad word said about games master which has been delightful and that's why i'm happy to throw my name around it's like that, that was me i was in that i was the gatekeeper <laughs> me yes me <laughs> it has been really fun because like obviously ash and i like tagged each other and sort of like photos and stuff in the set and then you just probably me like and that's me like that's right me. <laughs> I'm proud. I'm so proud to be a part of it. Like I never do anything like this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I've got my own YouTube channel and stuff like that. And that's, but this is something that's so important to me, my childhood. Um, My brothers have just been like, obviously so jealous, which is amazing. Um, But yeah, I'm just like, I will tell anybody and everybody who will listen to me. I was in Games Master and I was a gatekeeper and I got to touch a golden joystick. (laughs) And you didn't steal one. I didn't, but I was given one. That's, oh. I was going to ask that. Were you given one? There's a rap for us or something. Yeah. So I know the people on the podcast won't be able to see it, but can you guys? I can see it. Very nice. You beautifully obscured that with your chair throughout this entire interview as well. I know. <laughs> Sneaky, aren't I? King kind of knew how like amazing that would be for me and gotta love him he was just like at the end of the show he's like i've got a little something to say thank you for your time and coming down every day and i was like no but thank you and then he gave me the golden stick. i was like oh i'll absolutely take that 100 <laughs> actually i mean that was perfect so i was going to ask if you got given one as a rap present Did, was there mm-hmm. was there a rap party there wasn't if there was i wasn't invited <laughs> um i think just because we were on such a like a time schedule like we had to be out of that place by 10 10 30 literally every single day there was no like allowances like we couldn't go past 10 30 even that was overrunning that I think everyone was just in that such a mad keen rush to kind of get it done and finalized and get it looking perfect that yeah it, it was there was no party should we get series nine I'm assuming you're going to be putting the call into keen and being like come on now I'm hoping he'll call me <laughs> I'm a professional now. Like, I've done this stuff before. Have you set up your IMDb page for it? (laughs) I should, though, shouldn't I? (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll wrap things up, uh, James. We've taken up enough of your time uh, as it is, as much as we appreciate uh, just chatting with you. Honestly, I could chat with you for hours about this. But what are going to be your final memories of of working on Games Master? Should should this be the only time we get it? This is going to sound really stupid, but 
every time I shut someone in the abyss, I graze my knuckles on that lock. (laughs) (laughs) I had rust marks on my knuckles for about four days afterwards. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, um, I don't know. It was just the buzz about it. There was no one that was unhappy to be there. Everyone, every day, turned up with a smile on their face, ready to go, ready to do their best. Although it was a very professional setting, it was relaxed, yet, I don't know, professional. I know I've said that, but it was because the guys that were there were outstanding and they knew their jobs and they just did everything to the letter. It was outstanding but yeah it was just the buzz around it just being around those people and learning from them and having a joke with them some people would hit our masks like our nose masks and because they're not solid they would wobble (laughs) so it'd be constantly like people be hitting our nose (laughs) so yeah I think it's just the people were just brilliant and it was just a great environment and I'd do it again in a heartbeat thank you so much for joining us on the podcast you you've mentioned your youtube channel uh, and and uh, twitter and everything like that so please plug away oh thank you very much i have a gaming youtube channel it's very small i'm a small content creator I only started a year ago and we're just over 4000 followers that's a great achievement that's huge thank you yeah i i love doing my youtube channel so if you want to stop on by subscribe like all that rubbish Please What's do. the name of it? Uh, Jonesy Space Cat. A brilliant alien reference. Uh, it's my favourite film, and I'm uh, very obsessed with Sigourney Weaver, so it had to be that name. It had to be. Thanks again to Jonesy Basecap for taking the time to speak with us. I think we spoke about this on Under Console Nation, our, our patron community podcast, that like she was very nervous about doing that interview and she thought she would have nothing to talk about. And we spoke to her for like 45 minutes and it was great. Yeah. And to be honest, the, the, it, like, the interview comes down to about 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is. And that's not because there was bad stuff to cut out. It's just because we tangented off. Like her cat made an appearance during part of it and... To be honest, it was an entirely visual thing. So why would we leave that in on the audio? Same with some of the chat about the golden joystick. Because again, she has a golden joystick. I could see it. You could see it. She could obviously see it. The listeners can't see it. So yeah, she was great. It was a lot of fun to talk with her. And who knows? Series 8B, Series 9. Maybe we can have the return of the gatekeeper. The only gatekeepers welcome in video gaming. Me and my boys love gassing myself up online and getting competitive. But if you're saying you're the big man, you got to prove it. So now I've got the games master behind me. I wanted to put two of my best mates through their gaming paces. These are my boys, LV General and Kamali. Fam, where's he got us, fam? It's coming like some haunted church or something they put us in. They both think they're the best gamers of all time. Been taught how to play these games from young. I've become the boss of games. So he plays the games and whatever. He's old school, man. And I'm bringing the new school. So your boy Ty Logan's going to put that to the test. Welcome to Ty's Asylum. I did think it was noticeable by its absence in episode two that we didn't get any VR stuff, considering, you know, the show is sponsored by uh, VR, by MetaQuest. So it's nice to get it back in for the, the third episode here. I wonder how much they actually filmed, or if they did film one to go into the second episode but didn't put it in. Because we know they filmed more colleague stuff than actually has gone into the show. Yeah, because we see a bunch of footage in the intro to Colleagues a bit later and indeed in the intro to the first one that just don't feature. And I genuinely hope that some of these extra bits they filmed or didn't use 
appear as YouTube extras. You know, release them as extended sketches, release them as bonus footage, do something with it. Don't let, you know, if it's finished or if it's cheaply producible or, you know, something could be done with it, make use of that stuff. Because uh, particularly colleagues, it's great. Yeah, it's really good. I wasn't entirely sure what to make of this this VT. Uh, I actually like the setup, the idea of Ty having his asylum. Uh, I liked the the concept that it was just kind of like best two out of three with an ice bath as a as a as a um, as a forfeit at the end for the loser. But and I guess this is where this speaks to this being more of a three episode pilot than a full series eight. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, like, I didn't like like Frankie's video game costume challenge thing. That kind of felt tonally right. Rab's reviews were just reviews, and you'd expect some sort of reviewing games master. The colleagues thing actually did have a setup in episode one. Rab had his long rambling thing about he loves to sit and play games with his mates. Unfortunately, none of them were available, so here's these two, and also sets it up in the next one that we get later. I don't know what the origins for this section was. I enjoyed it, but I just if. I just didn't quite get where its source was. It's very YouTube in a way of you set up a challenge and then at the end of that, there is a punishment video to go alongside it. I mean, Elle's the Witch, we were talking about her earlier, going through her channel, she's got a bunch of these sorts of things. Like it is just like, you know, take a shot every time I die on Call of Duty. And it's all like YouTube does really like, or YouTube audience really likes a, a, a stakes and a punishment style video. So I, I sort of get it, but it also, like you, it, it does come out of nowhere because we don't know who these guys are. Like, if they'd have done this as a each episode there would have been one of these, then maybe it would have made a bit more sense. But just randomly appearing at the end of the third episode, it doesn't quite work. Not to say that I didn't like it, because I did. And it was cool to see them go from a retro game to a current-day AAA game to a VR game. I thought that was quite a nice little mix, actually. And... But even like the ice bath at the end doesn't feel like that impactful. Like it doesn't feel like it's like, oh no, he got his, he, what a punishment video. I, I don't think this was a home run. No, it was fun. And I think it definitely had a place in this series. And I would have actually maybe liked to have seen it split out. You could have actually split a bit of this mm. over each of the three episodes. So like a slightly shorter section for Ty, uh, but had like a maybe a bit longer edit. So you had the Street Fighter Challenge in Episode 1, the FIFA Challenge in Episode 2, and boom, the VR Challenge in Episode 3. That could have worked. Yeah, like the FIFA bit that we get here is, what, 10 seconds, if that? And it's probably the most fun because they are having a whale of a time. But we start with a retro fighter. We start with Super Street Fighter 2, probably from the Capcom or Street Fighter collection. I mean, it's certainly being played either on PlayStation or PC, but they're using the PlayStation pads Again, I don't know why. And I did like Ty's little wheel of random. He's playing yeah. it the way you play it, Luke. He's going for the random select. It's the only way to play it. And General L and, and we got his two friends, LV General and Kamali. And LV is Guile. Kamali is Honda. And essentially, this comes down to Kamali spamming the shit out of the hundred hand slap. The bit that made me laugh about this is that Kamali's really upset to get Honda. Because he's just like, oh, I remember him not being that good. And then it cuts to LV, who's like, oh, I'm Guile, I'm going to get a perfect in this first round. And it's actually Kamali as Honda that gets the perfect in the first round. And it, that, I thought that was a really nice bit of sort of poetic editing, actually, there. And in the end, Kamali takes this by button mashing and goes 1-0 up. I do love, he, he also breaks his chair. <laughs> he does indeed, yeah. Yeah, General takes the second round. 
And then Kamali just breaks his chair out of sheer frustration. And then in the second game, in the, the FIFA 22 game, LV wins it 2-0. But as I said, we only get to see like, I don't know, six, seven seconds of it. But it is worth noting that LV celebrates the exact same way that Ty does whenever he wins something. A literal victory lap. And that's the one I could have stood to see a lot more of because those guys looked like they were having an amazing time playing FIFA together. They were having proper fun. Nice lads, having a good time on the old football. Yeah. Good stuff. They had more fun playing that than it is Street Fighter 2. Definitely. So we get into the VR stuff. So the VR game that we're playing is Space Pirate Trainer. And, you know, it's a, it's a gun, it's a shoot 'em up game. And they literally are ducking and diving in this sort of like abandoned church thing that they seem to be in. But it is a clean sweep for LV here. He doesn't take a single hit. Kamali loses all three of his lives. He wins it without a scratch on him. He does. And uh, I actually, uh, you mentioned them playing in this empty room in this kind of weird kind of like ruined church. I actually love the concept of like playing a VR game like this in a big empty room. Maybe you have a, someone to stop you, you know, careening into a wall or whatever. But oh, a nice kind of flat, open space to kind of like play an immersive VR game. That sounds like some fun. This is the sort of VR I could get into, get, you know, immerse me, essentially. I mean, I, I don't really have much notes about sort of the VR side of things. But what I can tell you is those ice cubes they were using were bought from Sainsbury's because I buy the same ones. I recognise that as well. I recognise <laughs> yeah. that. I'm a Sainsbury's shopper too, Luke. <laughs> yeah. Sponsor us, big S. I mean, hey, the, the Sainsbury's we've had to open up local to us is the first self-sufficient Sainsbury's, in fact. It's one of their... Uh, they're trying to launch them across the UK, and we're the first one. Well, there you go. Definitely sponsor us, Sainsbury's. Self-sustaining, not self-sufficient. Um, but anyways, Kamali has to take his ice bath. I don't think the punishment is... It doesn't feel that great. Like, I've, I've watched a lot of punishment videos. I mean, Cultaholic, uh, our friends over in, you know, in the wrestling YouTube sphere, are fantastic at doing these sorts of things. Uh, this was not that. No, it wasn't. It was a fun little VT. But as I said, I think I'd have preferred a bit more time for each challenge and it a bit more spread out. It's a bit of a lull, and that's a shame. Yeah, I agree. Oh, what's this one now? This is... A... What's it called again? What's his name called? It's called... Valheim. It's a kind of survival, massively multiplayer thing. Straight away. Animation, mm. guys. Let's do a 4D experience. Yeah? Yeah. What? Oh, you've done that once, so now I feel like and all I can together. Do that. I, I, I'm dead, I am Hugin, sent here to guide you in your travels, Ty. Why am I doing a Scottish accent? I'm Scottish. But if we get brought right back up, because Colleagues is back. We get into Colleagues. And we do not know how many of these segments they filmed. I would be willing to wager this was one of the later ones. Mm. Because Rab and Frankie in particular sound and feel a bit punch drunk. They're quite giggly. They're quite silly. And it's fun. It's chaotic fun. And it's, again, seeing this just made me have that feeling of, oh, God damn it, this is the last one. Uh, I particularly enjoyed Ty being the, the Gen Z that he is. He hasn't got time for this sort of game. Where's the action at? Where's the action in this game? There's too much preamble. He hasn't got time. He hasn't got time for this sort of thing. He hasn't got time to pick up sticks. He just wants to, to find someone and do the stuff. This isn't a TikTok. Like, this, this is an actual, like, long play. There's no time for this. But I love some of the goofing around we get in this. Because the game is Valheim. It's a game that went to beta or green light or whatever you want to call it on Steam during lockdown it's a survival game it is very cool i almost played it but i just didn't have the time or the mental capacity to do it 
Uh, this was like back when it was first released. Plus, as Frankie mentions here, they vastly underestimated the response it would get. They did not have enough servers. They did not have enough infrastructure. And they're still expanding the game now. There's still some extra stuff going in. And it got updated as recently as September 2021. And... I do love that Ty's immediate response to this game is, this is a game for people who play Minecraft. And Rab's like, no, 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 no. This is this is this is for Frankie's people. This is for nerds. This is for nerds. I I actually prefer what I like this what Ty said, this is for Minecraft people. <laughs> like the blocky guys. Exactly. It's not for fans of Minecraft. It's for Minecraft people. I mean, Luke, I confess, I think I'm probably one of Frankie's people because, again, if not for the mental capacity at the time this was released and the server issues, I would be all over this sort of game. I do like a good survival type game and I did play a lot of Minecraft. I've never really got into an MMO. I, I, mean, I have a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth for MMOs because a girlfriend broke up with me because she chose the game over me. So I've always had a bit of a, a distaste towards them for that thing. But also, like, I've just never had the, the time or mental space to get into a game like this. I don't think this would be one that I would get into, though. No one seems to be massively into this game. Uh, Ty wants a bit more action. Frankie would much rather just sink her time into Final Fantasy fourteen. And Rab likes it because he's Scottish, but it doesn't look like he's actually going to buy it. Yeah, Rab, who, while reading out the text on the screen, puts on a Scottish accent, despite already being Scottish. And Frankie, you know, when playing it, basically kicks a pig, the pig kills her. Yeah. Death by pig. Well, now, it's our final challenge. And we've been building to this since our day out episode because we were there for this one. And so we saw this challenge pretty early on. I think this might be the second challenge that we saw uh, being taped. And then after that, we saw the Mortal Kombat 11 challenge between Ketchup and Mustard. And after that game was finished and Ty was like interviewing the crowd, he said, oh, if I was in that chair, I would have won. And I was like, aha. So it's a series long storyline they're going to tell. And finally, in the final challenge of episode three, in the final episode, he gets to do a challenge and see if he can walk the walk. And I thought it was actually a really, really nice idea. And when, when I heard that, I was like, that's a really smart idea. It's only three episodes. I think that's a really, really good thing. I don't know if we got it enough as I thought we were going to get it. We get a bit of a montage to kind of explain it, but I thought there would be more of it. You know, it did make sense in retrospective. I thought it was actually going to be just like the running dialogue between Rab and Ty. But actually, all it was was every challenge, Ty would just be like, yeah, if I was doing this, it'd be easy, it'd be over. But it worked. It did work as the setup. And it was just, it was it was a case of, yeah, we notice you've been running your mouth. Time to, time to walk the walk. But what game will he be playing? Tell us what it is, Games Master. For this challenge, I've chosen Tekken 7, one of the most popular video game franchises of all time. Tekken is an iron-fisted fighter that evolved from a button basher's dream to becoming a game of immense skill and precision, which means character choice is everything, as each requires a completely different playing style. Combos are key to Tekken's success, so challengers will need to have spent plenty of time getting to grips with their character to maximize their combo potential. Games Master here says, that Tekken, Tekken 7 has been born, it started out originally as button mashing, but has become a game of skill. 
I think that's very unfair. Tekken has always been a game of skill. It's just people often button mash on it. I'd say you could get a lot further in the first couple of Tekken's button mashing than you can in Tekken 7. And I say that as someone that tried to play Tekken 7 button mashing. You you could actually have some really entertaining fights in Tekken's 1, 2, and 3 and just by going hog wild on the button combinations particularly with someone like Yoshimitsu. But by the time you get to your Tekken 6 and your Tekken 7, you need to smarten up and you need to learn. You need to learn tactics. You need to learn the art of blocking by doing nothing. There's a lot to take in here. And Tekken 7 is huge. There are so many characters in the final version of this game. I mean, hell, this version doesn't even have all the characters unlocked. But there's a lot there to be getting on with. And every one of them is a bit different it's there's no kind of real palette swaps going on even members of the same family play differently i've never massively been a tekken kid to be honest i was i was always i was team street fighter and and team mortal Kombat to a degree i never got into tekken my mate adam loved tekken when it came out on the playstation i never really got it the Tekken game that I played the most was Tekken Tag Tournament on the PS2. I got into that quite a bit. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I remember buying the first one with money for my part-time job in a Woolworths. And I must have gotten two as well. I can't remember how or when I got that. But I remember Tekken 3, I'd have my PlayStation mod chipped by that point. Mm. And I got that on Japanese import. That that game got some usage. Because, of course, it was full, full screen, full speed. Just running unfettered by PAL limitations. And it was absolutely glorious i love tekken 3 that's still probably my favorite i do like tekken 7 the problem is is i just don't have enough time to focus on learning the proper combinations and learning the proper kind of move sets to be truly effective at it it's not like street fighter where i can just spam like kind of a hadouken until frankie punches me up the bracket i was gonna say if you hand me across a controller regardless of what street fighter it is and i select bison i know what i'm doing annoying people <laughs> yeah that's how good bison is but Games Master says character choice is everything in this game. All have unique playing styles, moves, and combos. But who is going to take on the tiebreaker? Come on then, show yourself. Oh, hi, Games Master. I'm Dev. What do you do? I'm a radio DJ. Do you have a terrifying message to strike fear? In the heart of your competitor? Yeah, I got a message from my competitor, okay? You're going down, probably. And if you don't, then you'll be getting the upper hand and I'll be the one going down. Overall, I'll have a really good time and perhaps we're friends afterwards. Chilling. I just want to say how much of an honour it is to be on Games Master. I've been in love with your giant yeah, head. Yeah, okay, all right. About this high, so Enough of that. Thanks for having me. Somehow you managed to crawl up my bum when I don't even have one. Be gone with you. Thanks, Games Master. Oh, I was so delighted to see Dev Griffin appear here. I am a big, big fan of Dev. I think he is a charismatic son of a gun. He's so likable. He's a tremendous presenter. He's a radio DJ. But most importantly, he's a celebrity MasterChef finalist. I had that in my notes, and I figured that you would have that in your notes as well. Didn't even need to look it up. I was like, Celebrity Chef finalist, Dev, because he was awesome. He was fantastic on that series as well. Nearly won as well. I, I, was, I was rooting for him to win, and he nearly won. I, he went up through the BBC radios for his DJ career. He's currently running a weekend show on Heart. But what I love the most about this dude is how effortlessly charismatic he is and how funny he is. Because the games master's there and like, what's your terrifying message for your opponent? And he's the most, it's the most ineffective wrestling promo ever of like, 
you might be going down, probably. And if not, I'll be the one going down. But I'm having a really, really good time. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be friends afterwards. Chilling. (laughs) And then Dev goes off on one about what an honour it is to be there. And Games Master cannot shut him up going, he's getting right up my bum. And I don't even have a bum. Yeah, there's been a lot of questions about this because uh, Games Master said back in episode one that he might need to go for a call of duty. As in, he has to go for a shit. But now he doesn't have a bum. Where does it go? Where does it come out from? Maybe he's like an owl. You know, where they hock up the pellets of waste. Oh, right. And even at 10pm on E4, they couldn't show that. You couldn't see the disembodied head of Trevor McDonald hocking up a, a kind of dog egg, as it were. But my favourite thing about this is the final line where it says, Radio DJs, they're worse than newsreaders. Wink, wink. Well, I was going to say, between the pair of us, Luke, as a former radio DJ and you technically a newsreader of sorts. And radio both, DJ. Yeah, we're both screwed, really. Yeah, I know, right? And I, I, look, I love Dev. I've, I've put that out there. I think Dev's great. He's also a Commodore 64 player. He's my kind of guy. Oh, he's playing up to the audience here and like going, oh, they remember what it is. It's like, mate, look around of you. There's more grey <laughs> hairs in this audience. Of course we remember the Commodore 64. You're not amongst Ty's mates now. You're amongst me and Ash. Nerds, Luke. We're nerds. <laughs> We're, nerds. We're Frankie's people. <laughs> Frankie. <laughs> so Dev's going to be playing as Xiao Yu, who's like a good pocket-sized fighter is the way that he describes her, while Ty has picked no one's favourite character, Eddie Gordo, which we know was a deliberate choice. Absolutely. And it's worth saying that while Dev is playing for the joystick or the abyss, Ty is just playing for pride. I honestly think they should have just said to Ty, nah, you're going in the abyss, mate. They could have worked their way out of it for a Series 9, but I think it would have just been funny to have ended the show, the entire run of Games Master, with just Rab and Frankie stood there and like a pair of shoes where Ty was. This is my memory failing me. I could have sworn we saw him go in. I don't think we did. Did we not? I had, I've written in my notes here, I'm, I could have sworn we saw him being filmed going in and chanting flush. Because I remember thinking to myself that they've done the outro with him there. And I was like, and I've been thinking like over the three episodes, I wonder how they'll get around that. But that might just be my memory failing me. And I've made up a memory that's, that never actually happened. I was quite tired. Yeah, we were all quite tired, but like to the point where when I sat down to watch this challenge for the first time, part of my brain was like, I can't actually remember who won this. I definitely remember that Dev won because I remembered exactly how he won. And I'm team Dev in this argument, is all I'll say. See, I'm I'm team Ty purely because I actually genuinely think that the way Dev wins this is distinctly unsportsmanlike. Well, we'll get to that in just a second. The other bit that they cut out from this is that Frankie was trying to get the crowd to bury Eddie Gordo. Like she almost has the line that I mentioned at the start, where it's like, it's no one's favorite character, Eddie Gordo. And she almost like yelled out to us in the audience being like, I'm sure we've got some Eddie Gordo in the fans in the audience for us to all go boo. Problem was, is that we couldn't really hear what Frankie was saying. So there's no reaction to it whatsoever. So they've just cut that. I think it was wise to just cut that bit out. It would have been a, because no one likes Eddie. So the crowd really would have got behind it. But we, I, we couldn't hear what she was saying. If they have more time, if they do more episodes, if they have a bit more scratch, get some foldback, get, get some monitors so we can hear what the presenters are saying, because, yeah, we couldn't. I mean, maybe with a new series, if the COVID guidelines are a bit different, they'll be closer and we can hear them. But there was, there was a bunch of times during the taping on day three where I think there were some things we were meant to laugh to and people closer reacted and then the rest of us just kind of followed along. 
Yeah, we laughed exactly. because other people were laughing, but we couldn't actually hear what they were saying. Thankfully, it turns out they were being funny. But yeah, it was difficult. But but we've got Ty as Eddie Gordo. We've got Dev as Xiaoyu. Smooth versus small and deadly. And I mean, Eddie is the perfect character for Ty because they neither of them ever stand still. Yeah. Dev still manages to get the early offense in once his challenge gets underway and is actually dangerously close to a perfect yeah, he nearly nails it that first round. Like, it's all dev. And he does win that first round, and it really was, like, one-sided of anything. And then Ty was like, oh, okay, right, that's the game that we're playing then. So Ty in the second round comes out, like, all guns blazing, really, for us. And it's a fan... And I remember this so clearly when it happened. It was such a wicked ending sequence where Ty activates his rage. Dev goes in for this killer blow. Ty reverses that into this Hurricane Rana for the win. It was like a proper, so you, you might notice if you go back and watch, because we got told off by, by this by one of the production team, we're not looking in the same direction that the challengers are. We're looking up at the giant screen in the background because the TVs that were set up for us, we couldn't really see because there were like pillars and posts in the way. They tried to move it around a little bit so we could see it for the FIFA challenge because they kept saying to us, stop looking at the screen above you, try and look at this monitor. But it was just much easier for us to look us up the one behind us. And I remember like watching that one and this crowd going ballistic when Ty hit that Hurricane Rana to tie it up one all. The crowd was super into it. And that's why Ty did the lap of honour. And he was still doing the lap of honour. And I honestly think Dev skipped through the end sequence of that round to get to the third round. I, I think that was a dirty, dirty tactic. Now we've talked, we've had people going that, you know, Larry should have been disqualified for spawn camping in Splatoon. He's a kid. Leave him alone. Dev knew what he was doing. Well, you see, now I'm, I'm team Dev in this scenario. Ty celebrated before he won. You don't... You, oh, wait, to, sure, you do that when you've won the game outright. Ty celebrated like he'd won the World Cup and he'd only scored once. And it yeah, was... maybe. You, you play until the final whistle and he, Ty was not playing until the final whistle. Dev was. That's why I'm team Dev in this argument. I don't think that he did cheat. I think, I think Ty played himself. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. He was showboating. He's known for it, but he was showboating. It means Ty ends up as a disadvantage when he does sit back down because he's already taken damage. However, he does claw it back and they are neck and neck. He nearly wins. <laughs> That's it. It's one punch will finish it. One punch man, one punch men. But Dev is the one to land the blow and Dev wins. And as soon as the match is over, Ty is already going, cheating on the third round. He is protesting. And he's like, if I lose my job, it's your fault. Because <laughs> I'm pretty confident that Ty went into this thinking that he was going to win. And that would be like the big crowning moment of series three of this series that, you know, in the final episode, he gets to win one of these challenges and Dev is the one that wins. It's not quite the story that they wanted to tell, but I, I think it's actually lovely that it doesn't quite work out that way. Frankie puts both of them over and says, you know, Dev took his chances when Ty was running around the room. Dev says, it ain't over till it's over. And I really enjoyed Frankie telling a little story. She's like, oh, let me just tell you a quick little story. When I was a little girl, I couldn't afford the full version of Tekken 3. So I only played the demo, which was Eddie versus Xiao Yu. And I played it over and over again. So you made me a very happy woman today. I thought that was a really, really nice touch. It was. It was a nice last challenge. It wasn't the most spectacular challenge we could have ended this run of episodes on. But it was nice, it was fun, and it was tight. It was close. And here's the thing, Luke. If Ty hadn't done his lap of honour, do you think he would have won it? I think there's every chance he might have done, because it was a very close final round. Yeah. That's what you get. You played to that final whistle, which means 
only one golden joystick is awarded in this episode. And it goes to Dev Griffin, who goes off and celebrates in fabulous style as well, I must say. Well, that's it for the return of Games Master. It's been such an honour to stand here with my two new best friends, Ty and Frankie. And I need you to understand that I don't do this stuff for the fame or the money. I do it as we all do for the love of video games. Good night. Is that my gold trait? So that's it for now. The return of Games Master is over and Rab has been honoured to stand there on that platform with his two new best friends. And they don't do it for the fame or the money. They do it for the love of video games. All the while, someone is wheeling in a wheelbarrow full of gold bars. How many times did we see them wheel in that wheelbarrow full of gold bars? They did like three or four takes on this, didn't they? It might have even been five. I think it's because when Rab grabs the wheelbarrow and legs it while Frankie and Ty protest and follow, there was a number of times where he just grabbed it a bit too violently and the gold bricks bounced out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so as Rab disappears with the wheelbarrow, Frankie and Ty follow him and we cut back to the Games Master one last time. And as the power shuts down, he gives us a wink. That actually choked me up a bit because I'd just seen something I never thought I'd see again. I genuinely, despite all the times we've hoped, despite all the various times we've talked to people or we've seen rumours, like even before under consultation, I didn't think there'd be a new series of Games Master on Channel 4 of any channel, really. No, exactly. And yet they did it and they did it well. There was a comment left on the YouTube video uh, video that I did want to highlight left by Dan Hammonds that said, much like the US version of The Office, I started out sceptical, comparing it to the original series. But in a short space of time, everyone started to shine in their own unique way and made it their own. You nailed it. I love the positive energy and how you captured that community spirit we gamers used to feel back in the 90s. This has left me wanting more. But Rab disappeared back to the north with his wheelbarrow full of gold, at which point we were actually able to catch up with him. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm good, guys. I'm good. I'm I'm well. I'm surviving. <laughs> well, we're all surviving, I suppose. It's the best that we can do at this point. I suppose if, if anyone is uh, is new to your work, uh, any of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, why don't you give us an overview of uh, what a Rab Florence is? Rab Florence. <laughs> it's that weird thing. Oh, jeez. What, what do I say here? I've, I'm a writer. That's what I'm. I'm a, I'm a writer who has somehow ended up occasionally performing his own sketches and comedy shows and presenting stuff. I've had a very, very weird uh, career, a very messy unfocused, very kind of odd career where I've kind of drifted into different things. There's no much structure to it. There's no much structure to it. There's no been a great deal of planning to it. Basically, I'm a comedy writer. I would call myself a comedy writer. I would call myself a writer, first and foremost. That's what I enjoy doing. So anytime, basically anytime I need to leave the house, it's a bad day for me. I like to, you know, I like to be, I like to be at home. But I don't know. I don't even really know what to say about myself. It's a difficult thing, isn't it? It's a difficult, we're all very... People are very complex creatures. It's difficult to, to know. And what, what figures into that is how do I feel about myself today as well? Like yesterday, I felt pretty good about myself. This morning, less so. You know mm. what I mean? Why, why less so today? I don't know. It just goes like that, doesn't it? I just find it goes like that. Sometimes I kind of go, ah, oh God, I've got to go in and talk to these guys. And I'm, you know, <laughs> and I'm feeling like, 
I don't know. I'm just not feeling that great about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I should have spoken to them yesterday. I was feeling on top of the world. Uh, no, I'm only joking. Genuinely, I do get what you're going is sometimes you just wake up in the morning and you're just thinking about yourself and I'm like, ah, what have I done? And then other yeah. days you wake up and you're feeling like, oh, that's great. Aye. Some days I kind of go like that to myself, man, I am a total, look at all the things I've done. I'm a total renaissance man. It's unbelievable. What a guy. And then other days I go, what a f***ing shambles, man. What a shambles <laughs> your life has been and your career has been. My life is good, I'll say that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, a really, I'm a really happy person, which is a good thing. I'm a happy person. I have a really good, great wife, great kids, all that. I kind of feel, I think that that sums me up. I think I think the older I get, the more I kind of go see everything else. Just doesn't matter to me very much. So Games Master. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I can give some career highlights because I'm in a fortunate position that in the early to mid-2000s, I had a housemate that was Scottish. Mm. And so we did the kind of cultural exchange of things that didn't travel south so much and things that didn't travel north so much. Yeah. So I got at that time, chewing the fat, Consylvania, video gate, and, and then that means you stayed on my radar. So I saw uh, Berniston and stuff like that. And so Excellent. when you were announced for Games Master, I was like, I know who this guy is. This guy's a great choice. Well, I mean, I'm glad you thought that. I'm glad you thought I was a great choice. It's a funny one because I've obviously... I've done an awful lot of video game TV. I've probably done more video game TV than than a lot of people, you know. But it's been up here in Scotland, and uh, you know, and you know, and just things like we've had Dominic on the show before on video guiding and stuff, and you know, we've done parodies of Games Master, and you know, it's always been a thing that's Games Master's always been a thing that's loomed quite large in my professional life because I've done video game TV stuff, and because. Dominic Diamond was a very prominent Scottish personality on TV when I was, you know, when I was younger. But I wasn't a kid when Games Master was on, is the thing. No, you were like 15, 16 when that yeah, started. Yeah, yeah, I was in my kind of late teens. Uh, when Games Master was at its best, I was in my late teens. And so I kind of, I wouldn't say I was quite in the target audience at that point, really, you know. You know, I remember thinking, oh man, he's he's that he's got a great gig there, Dominic, doing that. And he's, he's great at it. And I've said this before, I'll say this right up top. It's something I've always said about it is that I don't I don't think there's anything particularly fantastic about the Games Master format in itself. And I think um you know, I'm talking about I'm talking about the original show here. Dominic is what made it, you know. What I mean I mean I certainly when I was watching it, I was kinda tuning in to see Dominic. And I see a lot of people, you know, a lot of people talk about or oh, they were tuning in to see the games. I suppose there was an element of that for me. There was an element of that for me, but I've never been a watcher really of games, if you know what I mean. I've always like I've never been somebody who enjoys watching Let's Play videos. I would really rather tear out my own toenails than watch Twitch, watch people doing things on Twitch. It's just no for me. It's no for I want to be playing the games. I just find it extremely frustrating to watch people playing games. I don't get why people like it. So uh, I, it feels like I've totally binned Games Master. It feels like I've totally trashed it. <laughs> but that's not, that's not what I'm meaning. I get that people do enjoy that stuff. Basically what I'm saying is, for me, Games Master was very much kind of the Dominic Diamond show um, when I was watching it back then. On that note, when you were announced as the the new host, you were a name that I was very familiar with, but it was the tweet that you'd made that I was like, okay, well, he totally get it now, which was just childhood ruined. And I was like, all right, yeah, Rab knows what the uh, what the score is here. When I got asked to come down and try out for it, right, I'm just going to speak openly here. When I got asked to go down and try out for Games Master, my first thought was no chance. Absolutely no chance. That is a total poison chalice, that. I'm not touching it. You'd be, you'd be mad to touch it. And then I kind of thought about it a wee bit longer and I kind of went, oh, it's, it's Games Master though, it's, it's crazy. No, you go down, it kind of feels almost like, 
not improper not to go down and at least try. And I genuinely thought I've got absolutely no chance of getting this. No chance of getting it. And then I just, you know, I spoke I spoke to my wife about it. I was telling my, you know, telling my wife about it. And then you have that weird thing where you think, guys at our generation, I think we we kind of imagine that everybody knows what Games Master is. And so I was in a house where I was saying to my wife, I, is this Games Master is a thing? She's like, what's Games Master? And I was like, well, it's a show 20 years ago, you know, and explaining it. And then even saying to my teenage daughter, you asked me to come down to try it for Games Master. She had no idea. I'd tell you, you know what I mean? So it was like, that was quite, that was, that was, that was helpful actually for me. They kind of go, right, it's, you know, it's not really this monolithic thing that, you know, can't ever be touched again. And then, you know, and then I contacted Dominic, you know, and I says, I've been asked to, to go down and, and, and try out for this and stuff. You know, that felt like the right thing to do. And yeah, then went down and then, you know, then went down and tried because I, I never, I never do any of these things. I never go out and try, never audition for anything or anything like that. Um, went down and tried it and was, was very surprised to, to get the gig. Still surprised, to be honest. Kian actually said when we spoke to him, he was just like, uh, you know, Rab has never auditioned for anything ever. Yeah. And came down and auditioned for this. And it's just, it was, it's interesting to get your side of that now and your thought process and where you were at, because I absolutely get that poison chalice thing. Because when we were first saw the news at the beginning of the year, when it kind of came out that they were looking for a sponsor and that first kind of like tentative news article came out and the gaming world kind of, I won't say it blew up. It definitely bubbled in a slightly irritated manner. There was a slight ripple. There was a ripple. There was a middle-aged ripple, I would yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fear that it's <laughs> going to be Love Island with Candy Crush. You know, that was the kind of the general bubble based on what their pitch was when they were looking for a sponsor. Yeah. Well, I thought it would be a panel show. I just had a feeling this is going to be a, like, you know, when when the first murmurings happened that it was coming back, I was like, this is going to be like a panel show or something. Because that's yeah. normally what happens with these things. And then when, I, you know... I, I saw the same thing about, you know, celebrities doing this and stuff. And I was like, oh man, because I remember the Crystal Maze coming back and it was all celebrities. And I remember, I was like, I'm not, I don't like watch this. You know what I mean? Nay harm to whoever made the Crystal Maze when it came back. But I, I was just kind of like, I'm not sure this is, you know, for me, I don't really want to watch celebrities doing this. Me and Ash said uh, something very similar. Like when that news first came out in February and it was that sort of celebrity thing and Ash brought up the Crystal Maze. And I think mm. actually you said it was like, I, I think the point that we made was like, well, maybe the first three episodes that they do will just be the celebrity version and then like a proper version of Games Master will get commissioned off the back of that. Like it's just sort of a testing pattern. So it's actually been really nice to see that this is proper Games Master. And like, and it's, I think, you know, speaking with, with Key and then like the passion that he has got for it and then speaking with other people in the production like i think it's been very refreshing to fans like ash and i who you know spend more hours than we probably should be talking about games master on a weekly basis much to our partner's chagrin that it is being like it's it's a loving passion yeah i mean the whole team the team that was that was the other thing as well i was like i'll go down and i'll audition and i'll i'll, I'll meet the people and the people are all so nice you know Keen's great and you know emily who i worked quite closely we just on you know we script and things and they're just a, it's just a really really good strong team and really hard working team because you know it's a difficult gig then putting a show to, like that together from a stand and start really in a very short amount of time a very difficult thing to pull off so they were all great like i met them and they were all really nice i can remember going i could definitely work with these people i hope you know it would be, it would be nice to get it. it would be nice to try it but then i was also very like here's how I would like to do it. You know what I mean? I was very like, here's how it should be. And I'll be absolutely honest, right? I'll, I'll be honest. If they'd listened to me, it would have maybe been a show that would have been more, this is more me, this show, right? But it, people would have hated it, I think. 
<laughs> I can see that now. And this is the thing about ego sometimes as well. Not so much ego, but maybe the thing about when you're used to writing your own stuff or being in your own stuff and having that level of control, you know, and then you come into a thing. And I think maybe, maybe at the start of it, I was very like, you know, right, let's expand it by doing this and let's try this and try that. And let's, you know, and they were really, they were really good with me. You know, they were hearing me on my ideas and stuff like that. I could feel things being pushed in a certain direction. And then I get it now. I mean, I've seen the the kind of rough cut of the first episode at this point. And I'm like, ah, right. You know, it's almost like I get it now. It's, it does feel like Games Master and it feels, it feels like a Games Master that a wide audience can watch as well, that kids can watch, you know, which is really nice, which I actually really respect that despite the fact that like when I auditioned, the stuff that I auditioned, the material that I came in to the audition with was like unbroadcastable stuff. It was, you know, re- it really was un- like unbroadcastable stuff. It wasn't like rude stuff. It was just, it was kind of, it was just stuff that they could never have done, you know. And then you're like, maybe we can get away with a wee bit of that. And then I remember there was a few things that were in the script. And then, you know, you're in the studio and you realize there's kids in this studio. There's kids in the audience watching this. And then you go to yourself, right, get the lines out. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that in front of a kid. I'm not saying that in front of a kid. And then just as just as the process was going on, you know, I started to kind of realize, yeah, this is nice. This is like what we're actually doing here is trying to make a really kind of friendly, likable, welcoming show to everybody, which I think is great, which I think is should maybe be one of the fundamental one of the fundamental elements that any modern games master should be that it's welcoming to everybody you know what i mean because there's a lot of there's a lot of areas and a lot of corners of the video game industry and the internet and the kind of gaming scene that are not welcoming to people you know what i mean so it's nice to have a show that that has all that and it was you know and i started to really just easing into that thing of being like i'm just the presenter of this show alongside you know these two other amazing like really amazing presenters it was nice to just relax into that and you know let go, let go of all that let go of all the baggage that sometimes I take into projects. I think talking about your your co-host because obviously you've got Frankie and Ty with you. How did you meet them? How did you find the process of finding your co-host? And how did you find the dynamic kind of evolved? I tried when when I went down for the tryout. I tried out with Frankie on that first day. Frankie was there was a whole group of people that we tried out tried out different combinations of people, and Frankie was was one of the people I tried out with. And I knew Frankie as well. Well, I didn't know her. I'd never met her before, but I knew her work. And she's always been great. You know I mean? She's always been a, a total standout. And any of the stuff she's done, any of the kind of presentation stuff she's done, or commentary stuff, she's, you know, always a total standout. And so I knew her. I'd, I'd seen her dealing with people like Dr. Disrespect and stuff like that on stage. I'd, I'd seen her doing all that stuff. So I knew you know, just exactly what she, what she was capable of. And, and, and we, and we got on really well at the tryout. We got on really well. We clicked really well with each other and it just kind of felt, you know, obviously at that stage, you you, you can't at that stage go away. All I could say at that stage was Frankie's great. You know what I mean? I couldn't go away and go, if I get it, I, you know, I, I want to date with Frankie because, because I've no got it yet. So you can't, you can't say that, you know what I mean? But, but that, that clearly worked really well. And when I got it, it was really quick. The, the next stage of, you know, Frankie being involved was really fast, actually, because it had went so well on the day. And then it was a wee bit later, we had another wee round of kind of auditions where we were trying to, to find the third person to join us. So we had another wee day where we were trying it with a whole bunch of different people. And, oh man, we just fell in love with Ty. Like the minute Ty came in, we, we completely fell in love with him because he's just, um, his energy is amazing. The way he engages with you is amazing as well. 
I think, I think because he's young as well, he's so honest and so, and he's just, I think he's just beautiful to look at as well. Like, I just love looking at Ty. You know what I mean? I think he's just an, a beautiful looking boy. He's got this big smile and just, uh, you know, I just think he's great. And he's so sharp as well, so witty and so sharp. And what I didn't know, like, so we completely clicked all three years. It just felt like it totally worked. Um, what I didn't know about Frankie, though, was how much knowledge Frankie has about games. It's just unbelievable. You know what I mean? I, I, I would have had no chance, like, n- n- I would have really struggled when when it comes to the, how much time we had to prepare for stuff. And sometimes challenges were, were changing, you know, quite late in the day, just because a guest would come on, contestants would come on and, you know, they would, would maybe tailor things a wee bit just to, to fit them a wee bit better or so. So things were changing. So it was difficult to get familiar. It's not like all Games Master as well, where sometimes it was, the challenge was maybe, you know, you're running on a 2D plane across some platforms and collecting a number of coins. It comes to something like Call of Duty or something. I've got no clue. Like, I've got no, no clue. And it's so complex now. And, you know, all the stuff about choke points and all this and, and, and the features of the maps. I've got, I've got no chance. Whereas Frankie just knows all this stuff. She just knows all this stuff. She just completely understands it all. And so she would be, you know, she would have her own notes, but she'd also be like, help me. She would also be going like, Rab, this is, this is this and this, this is what happens in this. And I've always thought, you know, that ego thing again, I've always thought I know a lot about games, you know what I mean? But I maybe know a lot about Dreamcast games. I maybe know a lot about, you know, N64 games. But when it comes to the modern scene, I was just like, oh my, Frankie, you need to help me here. Help me. What is, what, what is this game? Help me. <laughs> You know, we had that yesterday when we were speaking with Frankie yesterday uh, for another interview, and she was talking about how she was getting some help from Ketchup and Mustard, who are two of the, like, yeah. the, the pro players, about like the way that like blocking damage works and like chip damage and things like that, and like yeah. the way that Tekken Seven, like the way that their blocking things works. And I was just like, a lot of it was going over my head because I'm like, well, if it's Street Fighter Two, you press back and you block. That much I can get on board with, but this is like a whole nother level. Yeah, and it's also like Frankie as well. She's just. She's so prepared and she's so knowledgeable and she's putting herself out there also as as a woman in this situation, who's doing the commentary and stuff like that. And, you know, she's she's very, very aware of the fact there's just going to be eyes on her because of that. You know, she's, you know, it's not her first rodeo when it comes to this stuff. She knows the scene. She knows the people that are out there. She's, you know, she's very aware of all that stuff. So she's super prepared, super professional. She knows more about games than any guy I've ever met. You know what I mean? So it's it's going to be great, I think, for people to see to see Frankie doing what she does best, and also while doing all that stuff is also just a just a great presenter, like a great kind of traditional presenter. I just think you know TV channels will be falling over themselves to to have Frankie anti hosting stuff. I think because the two of them are total, you know, you're unbelievably professional. On the the subject of Ty, we have heard from a few people that there was a FIFA match between you and himself. Mm. Did not exactly go your way. No, he beat me 7-0. <laughs> Which was good. I thought I was quite pleased with it, actually. 7-0 was, isn't actually bad for me. Yeah, I'm, listen, I've got, I've got like four kids, man. I've not got time to practice FIFA. <laughs> I've not got time to practice FIFA. Yeah, I mean, I, I love all that stuff. And, you know, as there's wee, there's wee elements in the show and Games Master. There's wee moments where you see me and Frankie and Ty together kind of playing games with each other and stuff like that, where you see a wee bit mirror how we how we work together, you know what I mean? Which is good. I'm glad there's there's those wee bits in there. Because we are quite separate for each other. Certainly ties a wee bit of drift phase when we're in the studio a wee bit because he's he's in the mix with the audience, you know what I mean? Doing that stuff. Uh, but they're they're great. I really loved working with them. You know what I mean? Despite the fact it was like, you know, in total, it was something like maybe five days or something we spent in total working with each other. You know what I mean? But 
it would it would be great to do to do more. You mentioned that you'd already spoken with Don before you went down for the audition. Yeah, and I I know that you and Kian also spoke to him as uh, as you reached out to kind of many former members of the crew. How did you find speaking to him about this? Given you know you had history with him, and obviously you knew his history with Games Master. Um, Dominic has always been just the sweetest guy to me. You know, I mean, he's always been really, really, really nice to me. And again, I'm going to speak openly here. Out of respect for 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 two guys who are old school Games Master fans, and yeah, I would I would have loved Dominic to have been involved in the show. You know, what I mean, I would have loved that. I totally get why. You know, it's it's a difficult thing to make happen. It's a difficult thing to make happen on a lot of fronts. It's very easy for me to go. It would be great to have Dominic involved on it, but there's a lot of moving parts there that need to um, a lot of, a lot of stuff that needs to come together for that to for that to happen. I just I just wish that it, maybe the build up to the show and the build up to the production happening would have been handled better, is is what I would say. And I don't think there was any malice or any dismissal of a. Uh, you know, Dominic's place in the show or anything in that. I think it was just purely, and I think a lot of people don't realise this about TV shows coming together, is that it can be very messy on the road into a TV show happening. It can be like, this isn't happening, this is happening, this isn't happening, this isn't happening, it is happening, it's happening next week. It can be like that sometimes. So I don't necessarily think there's any, you know, any any negativity in there or anything, but I do, I, I do wish there was just a kind of, a cleaner build to it happening and more time and, you know, more chance to kind of, you know, to kind of properly nod towards the legacy of the show a wee bit. But I also understand why, you know, the, there's an argument for a totally clean break, which this feels like as well. It's a difficult one. And as somebody that's just came in as presenter, uh, you're just kind of powerless in this as well. You're just kind of, you can say, this would be nice, that would be nice, this would be nice. But ultimately, you know, you don't, you don't have any say in any of this stuff am i being very cryptic here no 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 i well put it this way obvious when we had that first meeting with kian and we spoke with him and he said some stuff to us then which never came to be yeah and like when it was then like oh yeah and it's going to be broadcast in november and i'm looking at the calendar going Fuck me. yeah like i mean there's tv production and then there's this and i was just like wow this is accelerated yeah it's unbelievably quick and it happened really fast and you know, and there's a lot, and I think it's a learning process for everybody as well. I think it's a learning process for everybody involved because one of the things that I knew right from the get go was, you know, when I heard when we were going to be filming, I was thinking to myself, "There's no way they're going to be able to get clearances for all these games in that amount of time." There's like that is going to be really, really difficult to to make that kind of stuff happen. Um, and I know they were really challenged with that. You know, they were really challenged with because you're, you know, you're you're having to speak to this publisher's lawyers and this, you know, and then what is it exactly you want to do and what is Games Master and how are you going to be featuring it and what are you going to be saying about it? And then there's a lot of, there's a lot of video games as well where they have such a controlled PR approach these days that, you know, they don't want anything off message or anything that's out with their, you know, their view completely. So it's very, very difficult in that space of time to, um, to get the clearances you need. And it's, you know, it's almost a, almost a miracle, the fact that, that they did as well as they did and getting all that sorted out. It's like really an incredible effort. And I know they were working around the clock to, to make these things happen. So I think it's a, a learning process. It's, it's not just about a learning process about making a show like Games Master, but I think a learning process about making a show like Games Master today, you know what I mean? You know, you can't just like, you can't just have a guy doing a phone saying, hey, that's fine, you can use that game. You know, you're, I'll, sign, I'll sign something, send you it. There's a whole massive process, a global process in getting things featured. So 
Yeah, so there was just a lot. There was a lot, a lot, of, a lot of speed and a lot of pressure to get it done, and a lot of work that needed done, and a lot of things that just would have been nice to see happen, and almost did happen. I think you know that that just didn't quite make it over the wire. You know, well, one of the things that did make it to the wire was the location that that you used uh, the, the Crossness pumping station, which has been rebranded as the power station for you know for Series Eight, and you got the gatekeepers mm-hmm. there. And what were your like impressions of walking out onto that set? Well, this is what I'm saying. It's like, for, as somebody who was like, this will be a panel show, we'll be in a studio and there'll be lights and there'll be, you know, the, the usual kind of faces, comedians that you see for the panel shows and stuff, you know, and we'll be kind of laughing about, ha ha ha, Sonic the Hedgehog, ha ha ha, that kind of thing. That's what I was expecting. And so when I first got the, you know, when Keen sent the images through where we'd be shooting, I was like, what? It's Games Master. And then when I first saw the logo, I was like, oh, it's like Games Master. You know, and then it was like so. Everything that was that was coming on that front, I was very, I was very impressed. I was impressed at the fact that I, I kind of feel. I think one of the one of the nicest things about it is I feel that these days when I, when a show gets rebooted, there's almost a kind of there's sometimes a kind of apologetic kind of archness about it all. That's and I, and I love the fact that the decision has been made to just go. No, this is this is Games Master. Just you know, for for a modern audience and with modern games. And and I really, I really, you know, I really loved that. I loved that they properly went for the look. And I think, you know, the Games Master casting seemed very popular. And I think having seen it, having watched it and having seen what he does, uh, I'm sure I won't spoil things by saying I've never met him or anything like that. But having seen what, he, what, he's, what he's been doing in the show, I, think, I mean, he's, he's perfect. It actually raises an interesting point because obviously when you were filming in the power station, the Games Master hadn't been cast like at yeah. that point because uh, it was one of the most common questions asked by audience members, particularly if they went down to the green screen because of the uh, the what was maybe going to be the consultation zone but never actually came out, is who is the Games Master? And you address the Games Master a number of times, obviously, because that is part of your role as the lead. What were you visualising in your mind? Where, like, Who were you addressing in your head when you were going, you know, hey, Games Master, what, what takeaway do you want? What I tried to do was, in the studio on the day, I tried to not visualise it too much because, you know, ideally, ideally you would have written some stuff that, you know, would have would have fed in. See here, here we go. Here, I'm making a mistake again. I'm I'm do this is me doing making the mistake that I've made in this production a number of times. Where I've went, it would be nice to write stuff that leads into where, where you're thrown to the games master, and it'd be nice to write some stuff that feeds into who the personality is. But that's a mistake. And th- this is the, the these were the constant mistakes I was making when I was visualizing this show. Is that I was I was thinking, oh, comedically, it would be better if. You know, you were making a kind of wee sly joke about who's playing the games master. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible, and I, you know, and I thought this was a good idea, but it's a terrible idea because the games master is games master. It doesn't matter that it's you know whoever it is that's playing the games master. The games master is a games master. You don't break kayfabe, you know, as we as we understand boys by referring to who he is in in, in you know real life or anything like that. And I was constantly making these mistakes. I was constantly. In the production and, and things I was suggesting and stuff, I was constant. I was maybe I was maybe doing that thing I'm, I was talking about there about being a wee bit, you know, wee, wee winks and nods about it being a reboot and about it, you know, all that kind of stuff, which I think would have been a disaster. I think if I had designed the challenges, it would have been a disaster. The show would have been a, a complete disaster because you know we maybe would like to watch people playing like virtual pro wrestling on the N sixty four, right? Yeah, we would, right? We would love that, but. 
maybe just us three and maybe 10 other guys <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. So it's that thing where, you know, where it's almost like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to present the show. I'm going to try and be, um, and this was the thing that Dominic was really good at. This, despite the fact that sometimes Dominic would be a bit cheeky with the guests and, and all that kind of stuff, he handled them beautifully. He's one of the, I honestly think that Dominic Diamond is one of the best in, in the world that I've ever seen at handling like guests in a live setting. I think he's so good at it. It's why he's so good on radio and everything. It's why he's like, he's, he's just brilliant at handling people. You know, and, he, and it wasn't just in Games Master he did that. He was, you know, a number of late night stuff that he did where he was, you know, having to handle just, you know, pains and arses and he would, he'd, he'd, he'd handle it well, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, it's understanding that that was my kind of role was just like making sure that everybody was feeling comfortable. And also on the studio days, I know I'm away off on a tangent that you weren't asking me about here, but on the studio days, it was that awareness as well that you were having people coming onto the show who'd never done TV before. So they were really nervous and they were, you know, they were nervous and they were worried about coming across well and they were worried about the fact they were also going to have to play in a game that they were supposed to be good at in front of people and stuff. And then you realise that actually your, your job isn't so much about, you know, again, in, in a wrestling sense, getting your own shit. It was more about making sure everybody feels good about being on the show and feels happy and feels, you know, feels confident in themselves. Um, and that was nice. It was nice realising that. And in terms of the Games Master, I was just like, that can worry about itself later. Even though every time I drifted anywhere near the, near the audience on, that, on the studio shoots, the audience were always going, who's the Games Master? Who's the Games Master? They were asking me constantly, you know. You mentioned like, you know, you've mentioned a couple of wrestling terms there. Grado is on the show working with you. Yeah. Um, you have a, a podcast together. Was there any like, I don't know, like, was there anyone to like add any more like wrestling things into the show itself? I mean, I would have the show full of wrestling things. <laughs> there was a segment, there's a segment in the show where I was like, this segment would be really funny at the end if we got a wrestling ring and we set it up and, you know. Um, so I was, you know, I was constantly trying to get wrestling stuff in it. But Gradle was, I mean, that happened completely independently of, of I went down to try out for hosting and he had already been asked to come down to try out for, you know, for other stuff. So, you know, it was just, I was like, well, you're going down for Games Master as well. So it was like a weird thing because people are probably going to think, you know, the two of them have came down together, you know, it's like their mates, they know each other. But it, was, it was nothing like that. It's just Gradle, Gradle gets far more work than me, I'll tell you. It's far more work than me. So, uh, yeah, but it was great having a friendly, a, a guy, because I, I know Gredo really, really well. We're really close. And uh, it was nice to just have somebody down there in London with me where we could go out for dinner and stuff like that. And that was nice when we were doing that. Because, you know, because it's kind of scary going down to London when you're near a Scottish boy. So that was all nice. It was great having him in. And actually, I was trying to... I was in touch with AEW. I was um, in touch with Excalibur. I was... Me and Excalibur were just going back and forth trying to see if we could get some kind of early access to the AEW game that's coming out oh, wow. um, to feature it or something. But the timings didn't work out on that. But we've basically left it at, if we get a second series, let's try and get, I mean, I would love to, if we get a second series, get a challenge with the new AEW game and, you know, get Kenny or something or, you know, get Jericho or do a bit of that. Do a bit of cross-promotion stuff with AEW would be right up my street. It would be amazing to have a wrestling challenge on Games Master with wrestlers involved where they could actually play the game. Well, this is the thing. You know, if you get any of the AEW boys, like probably most of the AEW boys you go to would be able to, they'd know their way around a computer game, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. But that, you know, it's, this is the thing. It, it would be great to go again. I mean, I, I really view this, I know people talk about this as a series, and I know you guys have been talking about it as a series as well. It almost feels like a pilot to me. It almost mm. feels like a three-episode pilot. 
to me. And the episodes, I, mean, I was shocked when I heard how long the episodes were as well. How, do, how did you feel about that? If, if, if anything, me and Ash have been saying that one of the problems that the original series has was that it was trying to cram a lot into its half-hour format. Yeah. So when they, oh, when Keen said it's going to be an hour long, me and Ash were like, well, that's really good, actually, because that means they can spend a lot more time on segments as opposed to trying to rush things through. Well, it gave me an absolute fright when I heard it was an hour long. I was like, an hour? You know what I mean? <laughs> I think everything's too long, though. I'm like, see if a film goes on 90 minutes, I'm like, oh, man, what's happening here? You know, I think we filled it well. And it is nice to let things breathe a wee bit, a wee bit more and stuff. And there was one challenge, but the FIFA challenge. And I was like, I'm not sure I, I want to watch FIFA. <laughs> that you know that I mean? was exactly our reaction. We had the, the exact audience. same reaction when they couldn't FIFA. Me and Ash were like, "Yeah, yeah, totally." When they said, "You know, we're doing a FIFA challenge and we've got a you know a, a, a pro FIFA player come," I was like, "Oh, jeez, <laughs> really?" Oh. It wouldn't be Games Master without a FIFA challenge because that is very much a, a trope of the show, whether deliberately yeah. or not. And then when they said, "Oh, and he's a man down," it's the last X of extra time, and you know X goals down, and I'm just like, well, suddenly. You had my attention, now you've got my interest because this has made the game something different and something that I can get behind. I loved it. I loved the guy and I loved, you know, I loved the challenge and I loved and I loved the fact the fact that Frankie just clearly just could not give a shit about football as well, you know what I mean? She was just like, This is just mindless nonsense, this. <laughs> she was she was looking she was looking at that FIFA game the way I look at like Call of Duty. You know what I mean? She was like going <laughs> This is just nonsense. This is just, you know. But it was really, and that's another thing as well that's maybe worth me saying. It, it made me realise how completely out of touch I was as well doing this, this Games Master run. Like Another thing, I've always felt I was quite in touch with the game and scene stuff, and I'm really not because you had these people on there, you know, and you know people at Sunpie and MC Fixer and stuff like that, and, and they're known, you know, they're, they're, they're known to people and they're, they're popular and people watch their stuff. You know, and I was like, yeah, I was having to say to Frankie, like MC Fixer, and you know, and she was like, yeah, he's this guy, he's great, and you know, and she would show me stuff, and I'd be like, this guy is great, he's great, and yet, you know, I hadn't seen him before, and you know, just so entertaining, just that, and it's because of that thing, maybe that you know, I'm not really interested in Twitch or anything like that, and so probably a lot of this stuff passes me by, and it was amazing meeting these people that were, you know, and and their scene really popular really professional really slick really get how to you know engage an audience and what they do um just just, that was just really lovely as well i was really enjoying being like ah look at all this i was like having my eyes open to look at all these amazing people this is brilliant she's great he's great so it was nice to every night i was going back for the studio and i was going oh man that was so nice it was just just almost like so nice just meeting all these people you know what i mean and and felt you know I, i did feel quite old I remember also when I got asked to, to go do an audition, I was like, I'm too old for this, man. Like, I'm too old to be presenting this. Dominic was a young guy when he was doing Games Master. Still living in his mum's house. He was young. I was like, I'm too old to be doing this. And I, and I thought, see, once I'm doing it, I won't feel old once I'm doing it. Once I'm out there, that was, was a mistake. I, was, I still felt old. What did you think? Did you think I, I, looked, like, I looked old out there? See, I, mean, like, I remember being on the last train home out of London Bridge uh, after the recording. But I was sat there on my phone making notes, basically going, just so I can remember this when we talk about it. And I was just thinking about what I saw from you three interacting. And I was just thinking, Rab feels like the sort of guy that I could, you know, go and have a cup of tea or a pint with or something and just shoot the shit probably about wrestling games and related stuff. I mean, I'm still holding out, you know, if more episodes commissioned, even if not AEW, maybe a Fire Pro challenge. That'd be something. Oh, no, you're talking. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a Fire Pro person myself. And then Frankie... 
incredibly bright and a smile that literally lights up the room. Like mm-hmm. just you feel more awake talking to her. Like I was knackered when we interviewed her. And after it, I came out of it like feeling like bloody Bonnie Langford, just kind of like, oh, I'm quite perky this afternoon. This is lovely. Yeah. And so I had kind of this in my notes. And then it's like, Ty, Ty makes me feel old because he has so <laughs> I was we were stood there for the recording. And by the end of it, I was actually propping myself up on Luke because my toes had started to cramp and curl. Meanwhile, Ty is still running loops around the studio and I'm just like, oh, Christ. But here's the thing, though. Ty's young, right? And he's got that youthful energy. But when I was when I was Ty's age, I was a prick. you know what i mean like when i was ty's age i was you know if i went back and i met myself at that age now i'd have been like oh man and ty's just such a such a a lovely guy you know what i mean he's just he's so warm um and i think that's he's it makes it 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 makes me feel old because he's he's young yeah but he also has a a real level of kind of emotional maturity about him as well i think you know what i mean which is which is which certainly i didn't have when i was when i was younger you know what i mean but he's a very very ambitious boy you know what i mean he's like super ambitious and he's so many ideas and things going on you know what i mean and he's just and i think that's a thing about young people these days that may be different for like when i was his age i was kind of writing comedy stuff and but it was almost like i was writing comedy to keep things ticking over and you know trying to progress in my career but also I was quite happy just to spend a hundred hours playing an RPG or something like playing like, you know, on the PlayStation, buying WCW Thunder for the PlayStation for like 60 quid out of an import shop, things like that. That was, that was what was important to me. No, no grafting hard to make a career for myself. I just, I'm super impressed by Ty. Ty's going to be fine. Like no matter what happens, if Games Master goes no further than these three episodes, we're going to be seeing plenty of Frankie and Ty again. Definitely. Frankie doesn't need this as well. Frankie's like, flying all over the world, doing our things. You know, we're lucky to have her. Oh, we're going to have to, unfortunately, wrap things up a little bit. There's so much stuff that we wanted to, like, talk to you, but we're not going to take up too much time of your day. But, you know, we want to give you some time to plug things out and uh, tell us what you're up to, what you've got planned for the next few months. Unless, you know, of course, we do get Series 8B slash Series 9 of Games Master. Well, um, continue to watch Games Master on YouTube. Watch it multiple times. I don't know how it's going to be working. Uh, it's on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know when it's. I don't know. I, I haven't got any idea what's happening. I'm the last to know. Uh, watch that. Make sure to pick up the uh, the Games Master book when it comes out because I think it's coming out to proper retail. Right, it's coming out. You, you're able to order it online. I think if you miss the Kickstarter, right? Yeah, Dominic was uh, sending out a pre-order link. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So make sure to pick that up as well to find out about the history of the show. I've got um, um, a sitcom called The Scots, S-C-O-T-T-S, which is on the BBC iPlayer just now. I believe it's still there, five episodes. You can watch that. That comes back for a second series next year. We're writing that just now. Also working on something that I can't talk about. I nearly said it there, but I can't talk about it. Uh, yeah, so just, uh, you know, I'll be, doing, I'll be doing my thing. There's nothing really to plug, to be honest, apart from the longest-running online video game review show, Consolvania, uh, which is, in my opinion the greatest video game show ever made we're on patreon so you can get www.patreon.com forward slash consolevania if you sign up it's very cheap to sign up and there's loads of episodes on there loads of reviews weird stuff depressing bits or sad things all sorts of stuff you know it's difficult to describe um, but that's an ongoing thing that i do with my pal ryan mcleod and occasionally my pal jerry mclaughlin and as 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 a great show this is why I think we uh, sort of we feel very connected to you, Rab, because when we've done the interviews previously for this, we're like, "Well, plugs have you got?" And they're like these Twitch channels. It's all about Instagram. It's all about this and the other. And it's like, no, no, no traditional telly. Check yeah. it out on iPlayer. Second series. This is what we're working on. I tried Twitch. I tried Twitch for a wee while, and I was just, I was like, I can't do this. I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 
It's just that, you know, it's a, it's a new world. In fact, I'm going to say something about Twitch, though, before I go, just quickly before I go. Kind of feel, as somebody who is, you know, like we're talking here of, of old school broadcasting, maybe background, kind of feels like, look at all these people gain free content to this broadcaster. It's, it's the most bizarre thing in the world to me. I was like, you're all working for free for this, <laughs> for this broadcaster. What is doing? Anyway, that's it. Once again, thank you to Rab Florence for being on the show with us. It's an absolute honor to, to have him um, uh, be a part of this. And we need, and people be asking, like, why didn't you interview Ty? We did try. And we did have him down for an interview at one point, but like schedules just didn't quite match up. So maybe he may just be the one that got away, but maybe we'll get him at another point. But still, like, thank you so much to Rab for taking the time to speak with us. Like, it was a real, real honor. And also, at least a couple of people have said, you know, what about interviewing Sir Trevor MacDonald? It would be the worst interview we could ever have because, you know, what? I've got an immense amount of respect for Sir Trevor, both for Games Master and everything he did before. I was a News at 10 guy, Trevor McDonald on the News and 10. That was where I got a lot of news from. No, oh, yeah. It'd be like interviewing Patrick Moore about Games Master when he was still alive. I'll be honest, I could probably get stuff out of Patrick Moore if he was still alive because could certainly talk to him about astronomy and stuff like that. You know, we could talk to him about the stars, about planets, about telescopes, about some of his acting roles. You know, there there are things that could be worked with there. I don't really know what I'd talk to Sir Trevor about. I've got a lot of respect for him, but as a conversation piece, I'm just not sure it would go anywhere. But what we did talk with Rab a lot about was wrestling because we both work within the sphere and he's a massive wrestling fan, does a wrestling podcast with Grado. So yeah, it was just it was just really, really nice to talk to him. Uh, and that, Ash, is it. That is episode three of series eight of Games Master. What did you make of it? Oh, I will say, I will say, I don't think there has been a weak episode of Games Master series eight. I think they've all actually been really strong. And whilst I think this episode had both the weakest challenge and the weakest kind of segment VT to use the parlance of the show. It's a balancing act. And I think they've been very clever with this because yes, it had the weakest challenge. It had the weakest VT, but also it had some of the best bits. Games Master's best lines were in this episode. If Games Master Series 8 gives us nothing else and never goes any further, they got Sir Trevor McDonald to say the word bollocks. And if you're thinking, well, that's a very juvenile thing to lift as a highlight, you're absolutely right. It totally is. And I will laugh about it now, tomorrow, and well into next year. It's a very Games Master thing as well. There will never be a time I won't find someone of the stature of Sir Trevor MacDonald saying the word bollocks funny. It's always going to be funny. Bollocks is a funny word. It is funny. I use it a lot in my videos because it's a very funny word. But I love the FIFA challenge, despite the fact I didn't expect to. I really like the Larry challenge. I really like the colleague segment. I love the Evercade. As we both said, it makes us want an Evercade. That's exactly what a review should do. But I'm trying to get in my head, where does it sit compared to episodes one and two? And I'm still, even at this point, normally I've got a review score written down before we come to record. I don't. Because it's still, it's still, it's still rattling around my head. How about you? I, I really enjoyed this episode. Really, really, I did. Like you though, the the, the the it had the weakest VTs uh, I do feel, and one of the weakest challenges as well. But I think so. I think when I sort of titled it all up in my head of what score I was going to give it last week, I gave episode two ninety one percent because it didn't have a colleague's episode. This one does, but it also has some stuff that brings it down. 
So I'm actually keeping it at the same 91% score. Because the stuff that I really liked in it, I really, really liked. See, I'm, I'm actually... We, we've been the same on episodes one and two. We were both 91, because I adjusted to go with you on 91 on episode two. We were both a DeLorean, 88, for episode one. I'm going to go to 90. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Because I think the editing and the production on episodes two and three was a lot sharper, and I think it's because they just had a bit more time or something else. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning are, but I don't think it was a bad episode. And I think I'm both guided by my own feelings on it, but also by the joy that I have seen online. And that's something we've never had with Under Consultation before. We get feedback from our listeners. We get feedback from people in the Discord who are doing the watch-alongs with one of our mods, Matty. We get that for the classic series, but we've never just been able to go to Twitter and have a column in TweetDeck called Games Master and see the reactions fly by in real time. And what I've seen a lot since last night is this needs to be a full series. This was great. They've pulled off the impossible. I was sceptical. Didn't think they could do it. E4 tweets, please give us more. E4 viewers, please give us more. This kind of stuff. And E4, uh, Channel 4 acknowledging it. They are replying saying, we will pass on this feedback. Is it enough? Is the near quarter of a million views that the first episode has now accrued enough? Is whatever they got in the E4 timeframe plus the catch-up on foreign demand enough? We'll go into it more next week, but spoilers, we still won't know then. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to know, really, until someone in the know either says, it's done, it's over, or Games Master is looking for contestants. And Series 9, yeah. As I said on Twitter, continue. Someone just needs to put the coins in, Luke. So we'll talk about this a bit more in the wrap-up episode, but kind of the way I phrased it on Twitter yesterday was like, if this is it, I'm glad we got it but I do hope that there is more. I'm glad we at least got this three. But let's draw it to a close there. We'll talk about this more in the wrap-up episode next week. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter at underconsolepod. We're also on Instagram at under.console. And if you want to support this podcast monetarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod, where you get the episodes, I mean, usually in the regular timeline, a week early and ad-free. In the current phrase that we're in, you get it sometimes just a couple of hours early, uh, but it's also still ad-free. So you can head on over there at the £5 level, uh, or you can back us at any amount, and you get access to UCP Extra, which is our sort of bonus episode that we do covering other TV shows in this same UCP style. And we've mentioned it a lot. We have a Discord. It's a wonderful community. Ash, tell us a little bit more about it. The Discord is a place that has been an absolute lifesaver during the past 18 months or so. Ever since we launched it, it just immediately started on a positive and has kept on rolling. During this Series 8 of Games Master, we have had twice weekly watch-alongs. We've got a lot of new people. We now have multiple golden joystick holders in residence in the Discord. We've got a great bunch of people. We've got three great mods with us now. Hello to Matty, Cliff and Sarah. They're doing a great job being mods and keeping an eye on things, helping us out immeasurably. And please come over and join us. If you've enjoyed Games Master Series 8, if you're just joining us as a podcast, come on over. The water's lovely. We will see you in seven days' time for the wrap-up episode of Series 8. Take care, everyone. Bollocks.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.